1: It's time to add some spice to your nooner. Nooner. <laughs> Funny. This is the place where big-time guests, bold opinions, and little cute doggies come together. This, this is Rothman and Ice.
2: Sponsored by Pella Columbus. Windows and doors that go beyond. All right, welcome back
3: aboard. Thrilled to have you with us, Rothman and Ice. Anthony Rothman. Maddie Ice A. C.B.
4: All present and accounted for. Good to see you, boys. It's great to see you, man. This is your favorite kind of wet and wild Tuesday out there, man. It's going to be a soggy one today. How you feeling, man? Yeah, we dodged the ice storm, whatever that was going to be. Good, right? good. I'll take the rain we, all day. When I drive ice. in, it's
3: 37 degrees, not right at the, the freezing line. I don't mm. know. That, listen, I'd rather drive in snow than ice for sure. I think most people would agree with that. All day. Um you know, I just there are certain things that make me uncomfortable, in like driving over a, a you know a, it's... an overpass over a highway or something mm-hmm. when it's icy out. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm the I'm white gripping, white man. knuckles white, baby knuckles, <laughs> white knuckles baby. I, I don't know when this happened. I have no idea when this happened to me. I used to you know I've I've driven the IndyCar car 160. I've done things that you know, I've tempted fate for sure. Mm. And this isn't like I just did them like. 30 years ago. I'm talking about like in the last five years, but something has come over me now where I'm like, you know what? I always choose the, the more conservative route. Like I'm like, okay, I don't need that anymore. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I've always not been a huge fan of heights as you know, but it's not like it won't do it. I remember when we went on the Buckeye cruise years ago and I was talked into doing that zip line um, in Haiti, right? We're all getting, did I tell you the story? We're all getting bust up this mountain. In Haiti or wherever we are, I'm losing track. You did a lot of and, all blending. Right. Together. Exactly. <laughs> a lot of things going on up there. And so we're getting bust up this mountain. And I thought, hey, a zipline sounds amazing, right? Yeah. It sounds pretty cool. And so, but I don't know who it's like it's kind of like going to a state fair or like rides that just show up. Yeah. And then leave after a <laughs> yeah, month. It's a little it, like, I for like me. to go to places a little more permanent, right? <laughs> right. That, that doesn't mean they're safer, but it feels like that that's what they do. You they're feel just, better at a
4: King's Island than kind of the local fair. Town is to what town. You're right. I got you.
3: And so, you know, I'm going up there and, and there are people of all ages. We're on the Buckeye Cruise for cancer, right? It's kids. You know, it's kids. Eight to 80, right? 1880, yeah, here everybody. we go. Right. Everything's covered. I'm like, okay, we're all going up there. It's fine. Get off the bus. Start walking towards this platform that takes you up another level. Okay. And then there's just this two foot little platform that you have to step out onto, get in this harness, and have them, you know, hook you in. Were you looking down at this moment? For a man well, that doesn't like heights? Here's the problem it wasn't over the ocean. Oh. Which would have been fine, because if you drop or something breaks, I mean, just, at least you're falling into the water. Yeah, just have a this shark, sort of like a shark like, eat you, you know? Rocks <laughs> and it. jungle and stuff. <laughs> like, this is like, yes, right. <laughs> you know, Here it ra- comes. Rather deal with the, the feeding station, right. <laughs> and, but it's rocks and jungle and whatever. Oh. And I'm telling you, man, I was this close to saying, not for me. I'm mm. driving back down with the bus. And yet, I felt this crazy pressure to come over me. Like, wait a minute, the grandmothers are doing it, and like, you cannot bail on this. You cannot walk down the mountain. That's not happening. Yeah. It's a guy who's skied in his jeans. Yeah,
4: you know, had a right? nice little flow too. A little mullet going yeah. on too in that So
3: thing. here we. So I. So I do that. But the second your mind, once you get over the the rocks and jungle part, and you get over the water, it's like your stress. It's like it's done. Okay. It's weird. So anyway. um, Um, I don't know when this happened to me. Maybe that was my crossing over moment
4: into thinking, I don't need this anymore. You know, my biggest issue with doing things like that is I've watched too many of the Final Destination movies. And when I see roller coaster rides that aren't intact, and some of that has spilled over into the real world where people have noticed, hey, you know what? That roller coaster, you know, like the pillars of that thing, they're a little shaky, When it goes around the track, I saw a video just the other day of this woman on a plane that was looking out of her window and looked out on the wings and saw that part of the wings were kind of wobbly because there wasn't enough bolts in there and they had to stop the flight before it took off to Mm -hmm. fix the wing. That's where we're at. Yeah, that's. I'm sure that's what we need. You know, before going to Vegas, is the fear of hopping uh, yeah, on exactly a plane. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> I'm you, that's yeah. what's happening well, out here. We're
3: putting out the alert early. Please check the door hinges.
4: I saw that <laughs> airplane story that yes. I just told you about, and I said, "Man, we're not going to Alaska. Ar and CB may maybe onto something with this Winnebago trip. We might, we might. I might be riding with those guys after yeah. I see this. And our odds are much better in flying than they are
3: driving, but well, especially if CB's not at the wheel, like you had him at the wheel for this trip. <laughs> this this four-day journey to vegas oh it sounds fun um but anyway that's uh that's i'm, I'm glad people dodge the weather it's going to get nice and warm and wet and wild as you say this week so, so you would cool.
4: rather zip line over the ocean or rather the jungle where there's yeah. jaguars and black panthers mm-hmm. and, and all of that ready to you know maybe feast on you below there
3: yeah, so you You'd brought rather- a whole nother level to this. You brought in the animals. I figure I'm going to be gone by the time I drop anyway. Like, once I hit, I'm done. Oh, no, when you drop down I'll there, survive.
4: they're going to be running four 340s to get over to you. It's fresh meat, man. It's too- <laughs> I'm glad you were with us because I definitely would
3: not have See, gone these on These are the
4: if- things that I would have put in your brain because I would yeah. just say, AR, hey, I want you to think of all the worst-case scenarios because that's how I operate. When I do things like that, I think about the worst thing that could happen to me. And then I usually back out and say, you know what, I'm good. I'm not going to do yeah. this.
3: So I told you, my brother for years ago brought for my birthday. He bought me a flying lesson, like a Rickenbacker or something. Like you go up, you you're flying the plane up there. Now you don't land and take off. I okay. think that once you're up there, they kind of go over the instruments and you're actually
4: flying the plane. How does that work mid flight when he's like, all right, get out of this? Get <laughs> well, out. No, of I this don't seat. think you're doing no, any barrel
3: rolls off. or anything. You're just kind of you're at the controls, right? Okay. And so I told my brother, like, I don't want to do it. He's like, What do you mean you don't want to do it? It's going to be amazing. Like, I'm paid, like, I Yeah, I go, be the anxiety it. of the months leading up to this will not be rewarded for me, I don't believe. So I said, Can I swap it out? And he's like, Swap it out for what? And I go, I want to drive an IndyCar. He goes, That's more dangerous, probably. And I'm like, I just, I'm on the ground. I feel like I'm more control. I can kind of control the speed a little bit. And he said, well, I don't understand why you don't want to go up in the airplane. And I said, he goes, you're going to be with an instructor. And you know what goes through my mind? Nothing about the plane. Nothing. What happens if something weird comes over that instructor while we're up there? Of the of the, of the the 1%, less than 1% chance something would happen to that person. What would qualify as weird a heart attack, something oh bad. But I'm thinking about the worst case scenario. I don't know. You're
4: thinking just like me, see? Worst case scenario.
3: But <laughs> I started thinking the worst case scenario up there is, now how do I get down? Well, who talks me down? Mm, that is a great question. That I don't know. I don't have the Seriously. answer to that. Now, if there were three or four people up there with us, instructors, I'd feel okay. We lose one, we're okay. <laughs> down a man, we get, right? <laughs> still, we, we can still can get, still get done. down. <laughs> so I'm, I'm go to the. So I do the IndyCar Car thing at Kentucky Speedway, and you know, you can get be very claustrophobic in the suit, and it's ninety degrees, and you're putting the helmet on, you're getting in this tub. And in the car, hmm. And you know every, So I'm going around the deal and the guys are like Hey trust it man trust it you're not trusting it You're laying off the throttle into the turns These turns are banked you're good He's like you gotta trust it It will not break loose and I'm like Well I've seen them break loose Why would this one not Be able to break loose like I've watched IndyCar open wheel racing I've seen cars lose it Of course, I've seen the rear ends come around and Trust me, pros. it will not break loose. The the you're talking about indie where they're not banked. These are banked turns. Yeah. They, the the physics will take care of you. And so I did it, and I had no idea how fast I was going. When I got done, they told me you were doing 160. I'm like that's amazing. I felt like I was doing 90. And I because there was the thing if you can get over 150, you get like a t-shirt and a hat. Oh, okay, <laughs> so, there we go. <laughs> so I did that, and I told my brother, I go. I want to go back. I think I can go faster. And he said, Well now you're being an idiot because you've done it once. Check the box. You talked about all this stuff going wrong. Yeah. It didn't go wrong. And now you can attempt it again and he was right. And so I, I probably will not do that again.
4: Um, but yeah, here we are. I uh those those I'm not a thrill seeker, AR. I've never been you a seeker. You went thrill on roller seeker. coasters as kids though. I, right? I did, but those I have the best. I think I've I haven't been on a roller coaster since I was probably 10 yeah. years old like it's just not what for age me. do
3: you cross over where you
4: probably don't need it anymore well there's there's some people i know yeah. like our guy bob taylor yeah he, he likes roller coaster bob he He's likes to enthusiast. get out there yeah he loves it man i just don't like that feeling that slow grind to the top and then that little pause oh, when you get to the top yeah the clicks as well and then that drop down. i don't like that feeling of mm-hmm. when your stomach drops to the floor like i am good on that feeling. I just keep me on the ground. I'll, yeah. I'll handle everybody's cell phones and all their goodies. And then we'll go have some drinks after that. But I am not a thrill seeker whatsoever. When's the last time you guys been on a roller yeah. coaster? Forever. Yeah, forever. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't do it. Just because
3: to me, it's kind of sometimes be just nauseating. It's not that I would be totally frightened. It's just the feeling, the physical feeling of being kind of yeah. nauseated, getting no. a headache. The drop really isn't about it. It's the anxiety you talked about no. going up. That's the deal. The drop's fine. I mean, once you, once you you once you're into it, you love it. That's the thing. It's only the first part. See, that's that first the first drop. Why I you hate doing it? it. I hate it. You oh, know, those videos of
4: people like when they're just like closing their eyes the whole way, <laughs> glitching everything around them. Yeah. That is me. All
3: right, that is me. Uh, so there we are. We made it to work, and we dodged the ice storm. Um, I have to tell you that we talked about Tyler Bass missing the kick for the Buffalo Bills. How's he doing? He's doing okay? Not only is he doing okay, I think I'm number one on his fan club.
4: Is now. he doing okay, AR? Because I thought I saw that he had to delete his Twitter profile because he of, did. De- of death threats. He did. Like, of course. Because What are
3: we doing? Well, what we're doing is what I told you last week, which was sports fans are incredibly stupid and ignorant and insensitive and they don't care. And it's mob mentality, and it's you messed, you screwed over my life, and now you're gonna pay. Like, that's really what it's about. And then you add the whole gambling part of it, and then who knows what? Maybe
4: somebody actually lost some significant amount of money on you. Right now, it's even. They do that, they show ball in his eyes. (laughs) (laughs) that camera shot pulled the beanie down over his face man that that was a typical bills fan i don't think there was any money involved it may have been a combination of both (laughs) with the way that he was the way he was crying i think that was the combination of both so he leaves
3: social media and has to because it's just why look at what why look at that stuff and then i find out because i didn't know this that tyler bass is a huge animal lover and he's worked with adoption groups, um, especially this cat uh, shelter, adopting homeless cats and in Buffalo, which near and dear to my heart, obviously all the animals. And so Bill's Mafia, I mean, sure, there are a lot of people upset with him, but they put it out there. Hey, man, this guy's going through a pretty rough time. This is his cause. And Bill's Mafia, Chief's Kingdom, do your thing. So he wears the number 2. Okay. And so they were taking $22 donations. They were asking everybody to donate $22. And through their Facebook page, it's a adoption group called 10 Lives Club. Great name for a cat adoption group. That's the group that he works with. And overnight, they had raised I read today, instantly it was like 7 grand and then it got up to like 30 grand. Okay. And
4: so look at what happened. Okay, good, man. That makes me feel a lot better. That makes me feel a lot better because there are some cray cray fans out there for sure. But there's a lot of good people as well. And I love when people can gather together and support a guy that is down bad right now. That probably doesn't want to show his face for a very long time up in Buffalo. But that's going to make him feel a little bit better. But respect to a lot of the Bills and Chiefs fans for doing that, man. That's how you support a guy that really needs it at the moment. I like that. Scott
3: Norwood should reach out to him soon. <laughs> uh, that would be that would be the guy. They have their little group. Uh, we got a lot to do today. We got Dave Lapham on, bottom of the hour, radio analyst of the Bengals, so we'll find out their offseason priorities. Well, they we now know they have a main one, which is an O. C. Mm-hmm. And then we will uh, do a little bit on the Buckeyes next. They have a huge basketball game, and I say huge in that, yeah, it doesn't sink their season or anything if they don't win. But I think this is a psychological game for them. Because they're on a bad, bad streak here. This is probably not the place to end it, but if they were able to do it, it could go a long way for them. Rothman and Ice on the fan.
1: Common Man has spent the past 18 years telling you how much he hates people. And yes, that probably means you too. Common Man
0: and T Mo.
2: Weekdays at 3.
0: The fa- Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a US based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. This is Rothman and Ice.
2: Sponsored by Pella Columbus. Windows and doors that go beyond.
1: All right, welcome back in.
3: Ohio State at Nebraska tonight. Coming off the win over Penn State. Uh, do I have a ton of confidence in them going in there and winning this? No. I don't even know what the spread is. But I believe last time I looked, it was Nebraska minus two and a half. Okay. So, coin flip game. I mean, if it's a bucket, that tells me something. Ohio State has not won on the road. They've got a 12-game road losing streak going. There are certain places where I would say, okay, this is a chance to get it done. Um, maybe they are riding this confidence. Nebraska is twelve and one at home this season. Mm. They're four and zero against the Big Ten. They even beat number one Purdue, and not only beat them, beat them bad. And so this is would be that's why I put this in the category of not like quality win in that this makes everybody feel like the program is in amazing shape. I feel like this certain there are certain games during a season that you look for something that counts to, for me for more than a regular win, more than one win. And this kind of falls into that category for me because it would take care of a couple things. Maddie, they'd be able to string a couple games together mm-hmm. to get a whatever feeling they want because I think if you lose this game and you don't, and you don't play very well, it just the, the win over Penn State becomes to me like, okay, you got to win and nothing much else. But if somehow you get this one and you string one together... Now, all of a sudden, you've done something that nobody in the Big Ten has done yet gone to Nebraska and won. And you end the road losing streak, which I think they have to do. I mean, they're going to be going to Northwestern.
4: They're going to Wisconsin. They're going to go to East Lansing. Three of your next four are on the road. On the road. And <laughs> It's sandwiched in there is a Illinois team that just got one of their best players back, and he had been dealing with a legal situation. So, yes, this is very, very big, to your point. CB, you got some Holtman sound, I think, available over there. Let's hear from Mr. Chris on this home atmosphere that Nebraska does have.
2: It's one of those places Lincoln is one of those unique places where it's just, it's a beautiful arena and despite the fact that they haven't maybe been tournament teams here they always almost always sell out. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a it's a really uh, an incredible environment that you know both to take in a game and to play there it's a beautiful arena.
4: So you need your best players to rise up on the road. We all know this is such a big thing within this conference. We saw them go into Indiana. Your best players were not very efficient there. You lost to Michigan on the road, and you only put up 65 in that one. So going on the road right now has been a big-time struggle. And you got away with one at home the other day because – couple of your best players were just, okay, Roddy Gale, you guys know I've been talking about Roddy Gale, just wanting him to be more efficient. But also, you look at Bruce Thornton here recently, and five out of the last six games, he's been below 50% from the floor. So Mahaffey stepped up last game at home, had his best offensive game of the season so far, I don't know how much you can rely on that type of output from him game in and game out. So when you look at a guy like Naga tonight for Nebraska, he's one of the best players in the conference at the moment. I'm looking at Bruce and saying, you got to answer the call tonight. You got to answer the call tonight. Jamison Battle has done his thing being a three-point sniper, but Bruce Thornton, this is one of those games to where you got to walk into that building and show the reason why a lot of people talked about me glowingly before Mm -hmm. the season. I'm going to show you tonight because he hasn't been very efficient here recently and i think that's really been hurting this offense
3: he was bad last game yeah like yeah he was he was sending out some assists but he was bad shooting and this slump is a big deal rarely would i say do i want a team to go in and try to match threes i think that that can be the recipe for disaster when you're going into a team on the road maddie you're thinking okay they're a great three-point shooting team we got to match threes we got to shoot it well no your guys that shoot it well need to shoot it well correct you can't go in there with a recipe of we got to match threes with Nebraska. I think that's going to be a bad recipe for them. They've got to play defense, and when their guys get looks, they've got to score. The bad thing about when you're facing a team that shoots well from three is usually you can try to slow down the game a little bit, control the tempo of the game. If you had a post-presence, get to the line. Because Chris Holman talked the other day about like they don't get to the line enough. There's just not enough. I mean, Roddy can get to the rack, and Bruce can get to the rack. But they get some and ones. Control some tempo in this game. And defensively, if they don't D it up tonight, they'll get shot out of the building. But because when you think about Ohio State, they're, uh, I'm looking at, uh, they've shot 33% or worse from three, four games in a row. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know what the recipe, other than play great defense, and the guys that can shoot it, shoot it well, and maybe you'll get it, you'll be in this game. And Vegas says they will be. I mean, Battle certainly is their guy. And he was on fire, and now all of a sudden, he's cold again. And that's what happens to three-point shooters. So he needs to be hot. This is not um, a real tough equation for them. They better make sure Nebraska doesn't have one of their great shooting nights. If they do, maybe you tip your hat and say, okay, nothing you can do. But they better play really great defense and take advantage of trying to get inside and get to the line and slow this thing down a little bit because Nebraska is the real deal. And I say all that to say what I said at the beginning, which is this is a great opportunity for this team to exercise a little bit of a demon. I thought they got half of it against Penn State, didn't blow the lead, and they've been excelling at blowing leads, and they didn't do that. So now they got 50% of that demon exercise. Now can you get the road? Can you end this road streak at a place that's been very tough? So I think if Chris just lights a fire under these guys to say, hey, there's a lot rolled into this game for you guys to get out of it. It's not just beating Nebraska, who isn't ranked. This that There's not a lot there. It's just the building, who you're playing, It's there for them tonight. They got a chance to really, they're right middle of the pack of the Big Ten. This would get them back
4: to 500. Like, you check a lot of boxes if you win tonight. For sure. And mentally, it can really carry you into what I think is going to be a tough little stretch here because of the scheduling that we just mentioned a few moments ago. You mentioned Nebraska's shooting ability from the outside, and Tominaga is absolutely their guy he he ranks third in the conference and three-point attempts per game and the reason why i'm bringing that up is because on defense you just have to be so careful with guys that are very active out there in the three-point line and not fouling him so i know coach holtman is probably hammering that home to all his guys that are going to be on the perimeter they're going to have to deal with tomi naga up and down the floors do not foul this guy when he throws up the amount of three-point attempts that he does jamison battle ranks second in the conference so they should be familiar with how to handle a- a guy like this but when you go on the road and the place starts to rock a little bit you can understand how some of these guys can get out of whack and try to overly do too much on the defensive end so that's where i think this game needs to be won because right now when your offense is struggling <clears throat> and your top guys are struggling on offense you can take the game back by playing good defense and having a guy like felix power continue to be excuse <clears> me <throat> really good on the boards. He was great in the last game on the offensive board. Oxpar has been a presence with his blocking and his rebounding ability, but taking away those extra possessions and playing clean defense is what this Buckeye team needs to do because I still think they're going to have to scratch and claw a little bit on offense because right now there's just nothing consistent going on.
3: Ohio State's now getting three and a half on bet 365. Uh, Battles over under on threes is two and a half. I might be willing to to jump in on that that at plus 105 Yeah, because I feel like he's going to have some kind of uh, there'll be motivation. Like I said, he went cold again. Um, He was hot. So five game stretch, he hit at least four threes in every game shot like 58% from the outside. He's now two of 10. So he's 20% from three the past two games. So we'll see now if Nebraska wants to defend him, And contain him, then we're not going to get this. But I kind of like that number that it's at over-unders. Two and a half for Jameson Battle at plus 105.
4: Yeah, they can want to contain it all they want. But Coach Holman and his staff are going to find ways to get him open and get him clean looks. And they've shown that this season. So I like that two and a half number. I'm going to roll with the over as well. All right,
3: let's do that. We'll do our bet 365 today. Uh, Jameson Battle tonight over two and a half threes. At plus
4: 105. And if you guys want to do that, you can sign up at oh.bet365.com because whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at bet365. And
5: may the odds be ever in your favor.
4: There was a breath. False start there. It's because of the time slot here.
3: No, I think what that was is how how the NFL refs called delay a game. They looked to the clock. And when it hits
4: zero, then they look back yeah, and see if the ball is snapped. I don't know what we're with that. There's been so many times where I'm like, that's delay of game. And, and they still get they a do. snap. Well, that's what I got there. I got that breath of a, a snap. CB threw a flag, too. Over I there. don't think there should have because, been a flag there. Well, you were bragging yesterday about how well you got it covered. Yeah, now. that's first and 15. Yeah, there yeah, we're throwing a flag on that. Hit him with a family feud X before we go okay. to break, too, if you got that. So you mean I jumped
3: CB. into the neutral zone? <laughs> and then you snapped it? I don't know. I throw a challenge flag. I don't think I flinched. Oh man. There, The mouth opened, nothing came out, which is about normal. All right, we're going to have Dave Lapham up next, radio analyst for the Bengals. So what happens now? Offensive coordinator gone. What's the impact
1: He'll tell you next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. The only radio station still operating with an active booze cart. I'm drunk right now. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. The fan.
0: Ohio sports destination. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team. You won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.
1: Their cholesterol numbers put all other fan hosts to shame. You are listening to Rothman and Ice.
3: All right, off-season priorities for Cincinnati. Unfortunately, it's just was one of those wild rides they couldn't overcome this year at the quarterback position. Dave Lapham, our guy, longtime radio analyst to the Bengals host in the trenches on the podcast. Love having Lap on. It's good to have you, my man. How you feeling?
6: Gentlemen, how the heck you doing? It's uh it's it's the off season, it's crazy as usual.
3: Absolutely. And uh, listen, this is no surprise to you that the the Ravens are in the AFC championship game. Uh, we knew what they were about this year and with their quarterback and the wheels that he has everything's possible but uh why don't you just give me your take on the final four here um i'd said to maddie lapp i could make a compelling case for every one of these teams to win it and make a compelling case for reasons they won't win it i actually love this final four i think it worked out great
6: i do too I, you know I don't, I don't think there's any you know all right here's the here's the odds on favorite going to run away you know seven and a half point favorite uh, in the Super Bowl, you know, for that matchup. I-, I don't think there's there's anything like that. I agree with you. I do think uh, you know, I-, I went chalk we, we have a family uh, family playoff pool that we do and for the first time, and I-, I don't know how many years that I can remember, went chalk. You know, so I, I-, I have Baltimore and San Francisco in the Super Bowl and I think it could very, out- very well work out that way um, but you know, every year I was always, always looking for what seed is going to be the one. Well, there were so many it's like, man, there's so many multiple seasons. I don't know. Maybe the number ones will survive. The seeds will be knocking each other off, potentially. Or it, it, it was a different dynamic in my mind going into these this uh, this playoff uh, season. So I, I agree. It's been it's been great. There's been unbelievable games, and I think I think the uh, the games to get the, the conference championship games to get to the Super Bowl are going to be entertaining as well. I, I I would not be surprised at any. Of the four teams that would match up in the Super Bowl, I agree with
4: you. Yeah, it should be a fun weekend, no doubt, Lap. So we had some interesting Bengals news drop yesterday. Brian Callahan looks like he's leaving to become the new head coach over in Tennessee. Your thoughts on him as an offensive mind. We know right now in the league a lot of these teams are leaning towards these younger offensive head coaches. Your thoughts on what you uh what he can accomplish now that he is going to be leading the charge for an NFL franchise.
6: Yeah, I know he was scheduled to have like, uh, you know, I communicated with him before he took off. Uh, that was only the second stop on a tour of five he was going to be taken, and Tennessee wasn't going to let him leave. So Tennessee said, "You're our guy." Uh, when they had that, that uh, second round, might even been a third interview. I know he was zooming, and then face to faces were starting, uh, and, and Tennessee just just uh, was duly impressed and and he's he's such a great guy. I mean, not only a tremendous football coach, but just a, a very, very incredible human being. And I think you know, in my mind, a head coach in today's NFL has to have two traits, two things. He has to check two boxes. He has to be able to communicate his message uh, very very uh, succinctly and understandably. <laughs> and he has to be able to build relationships with the fan base, with his coaches. With his players, with every dynamic related to and affiliated with uh, the, uh, the franchise, including ownership, which he obviously did when he went there for the for the interview, and I think those those two things are a huge, huge strengths of his. So I think you know it's it's going to be a, a factor of okay, who are you going to bring in his coordinators? They must have liked what he was talking about in that regard. And honestly, um, I thought that that Brian Callahan uh, was going to get in some opportunity. And I thought Troy Walters would potentially get opportunity as well, the way the offense has performed the last three years. But anybody tied in with the quarterbacks, you know, pitcher, pitchers on a tour of five, five teams that he's going to see on top of the Bengals opportunity Mm -hmm. with Callahan leaving to be an offensive coordinator. In in my mind, it's because they've got an elite starting quarterback that they've uh, helped develop and they have an elite backup quarterback. They have the best backup quarterback in the NFL who arguably might be one of the best 32 in the NFL, so the development at the quarterback position, you know, has helped Brian Callahan, has helped Dan Pitcher, and everybody wants to be able to, you know, not only draft a quarterback but develop the guy and, and make sure that the, that the guy pans out and gives your franchise, you know, what they're looking for. And They've got a veteran quarterback and a young quarterback there, and, and uh, Callahan has worked with, with both of those type of players. Would you like to see Dan Pitcher get the job? As Bengals offensive coordinator, I would, yeah. yeah, I think he's I think he's extremely qualified. Um, you know, I, I think obviously the league does. He's he's got a lot of uh, a lot of outside opportunity. So, I mean, he's sitting in a pretty good place right now. He's out there testing the water, seeing what uh, what people are thinking about him. I mean, he made he had a, I know at least one face to face interview last off season as an offensive coordinator. I'm trying to think it was Jacksonville and Miami or who it was. It was one of the teams. Uh, down south there, and uh, so it, you know, it's not surprising to me. I mean, you know, New England. I mean, he's got he's got a laundry list of five teams that he's he's rolling to. So, um, if in fact Dan Pitcher they don't go internally, Troy Walters would be another candidate in my mind that I would think about promoting to offensive coordinator if you're going to go internally. And I asked, I, I did a podcast with Zach Taylor. I think it's going to be posted here pretty soon. I did it with him yesterday. And I asked him, I said, okay, now for the first time in five years, your staff's not going to be intact. You have it for a five-year time frame. That's a franchise record with the Bengals. to have all the same coaches back for five consecutive years, and now it's going to be broken up. And, you know, coordinator, offensive coordinator, looks to be the first spot. Internal, and you've been around for five years, you have probably a bigger list now than you did when you first broke into the coaching ranks five years ago, your initial year as a head coach, external candidates, and he said, yeah. He said, "I've got, I've got a big list, and I've got a list of guys I'm close to, a list of guys that I'm not as close to, don't know quite as well, but highly respect." Um, he said, "I feel like I'm in pretty good position, uh, internally or externally, to fill the fill that uh, spot at offensive coordinator." And honestly, I think it's a good job. Guys around the league, are you kidding me? Joe Burrow, and they got a backup quarterback named Jake Browning, who you know, over a seven years, uh, seven game span, uh, put up good numbers and. They went four and three, and it wasn't you know against the little sisters of the poor. It was Pittsburgh twice, Jacksonville, Indianapolis, Kansas City, Minnesota, Cleveland. Everybody was either a playoff team or barely on the outside looking in, trying to make the playoffs. And so you know I, I think that this is a very attractive uh, attractive spot for somebody that's trying to uh, elevate themselves as an offensive coordinator, and and they're looking at uh, hey look what happened with Brian Callahan, and you know as far as Zach Taylor is concerned, part of the legacy of a head coach is you know trying to get your assistance, uh get an opportunity to move up if you're an assistant to a coordinator if you're a coordinator to a head coach so um it's it's kind of bittersweet but it, it builds his legacy for sure
4: looking ahead to the all-season lap looking up and down the roster and you know guys that are going to be departing in free agency or whatever it's going to be uh what do you think this team needs to address what does the front office need to get after here
6: i mean there's i don't think there's anything that uh that is like, boy, you've you, you got to have you got to have this kind of. This is a. If you don't get this, you're dead. But I mean, I think you know, Jonah Williams. I, there's no doubt in my mind he's moving on. I think he's going to get big offers out there. I think he's going to get multiple offers. I think he's shown that he can play right in left tackle at a, at a very good level. And uh, guys that have that kind of versatility are very very uh, valuable. And I don't know if the Bengals can afford him. I think he'd like to stay in Cincinnati, but I think he realizes that you know, that, that uh, that's going to be a very difficult thing. Um, I do think with, with in, in, in my mind, um, they, they got to get T. Higgins re-signed. I don't know if it's going to be tagging him or getting a deal done because Joe Burrow, when he signed his contract, he structured it with bonuses and deferred payments and all that sort of thing to give salary cap space to get those receivers signed. He knows that he's, a big part of his success is those guys and particularly, you know, Jamar chase and T Higgins, Tyler Boyd will, you know, more than likely be moving on, but you can't lose both of them. Um, so I, I do think that he'd be bitterly disappointed if they don't get something done with T Higgins, because he tried to structure his deal accordingly to make sure that it could be done. And they've got the six most cap salary cap space in the league. And you got to figure, you know, that that's an important thing. Uh, but if Tyler Boyd moves on, okay, now you got young guys, Yossi Vash and others that you're developing to, you know, uh, move move into that, Chris Jones, move into that position. Um, other guys out there in free agency, Trent Norwin's around. He can do, you know, play anywhere. The tight end position becomes a little bit different dynamic. You know, when you had three wides, so wide receiver centric, you know, tight ends, okay, wow, how much are we going to our tight ends? Well, if you lose Tyler Boyd, you know, you might think maybe we should think about a little bit different dynamic at the, at the tight end position, Tanner Hudson, I think they're going to sign to a long term deal. I think he proved that he's an excellent receiving and route running tight end. Um, but I wouldn't shock me if they, if they go in that direction. And, um, with DJ Reader, unfortunately getting his, his, uh, his, uh, patella tendon exploding on him. I mean, at the age of over 30, that's a, that's a tough deal. And maybe they'll be able to, maybe that'll help them sign him because. Other teams are like he's. I don't know if I can lay all that money on the line with that type of injury to a player of that age. So maybe they can get DJ done, but if they don't, you know they gotta they gotta get something done in the interior defensive tackle edge rush is always a something you'd like to have. Uh, Cheeto looks like he might be moving on at the corner position. You gotta address that. I mean, there's there's plenty of things to address. But uh, last year, eight draft picks, all of them made the team, all of them had a role, all of them expanded on their role. And the last two or three drafts they've done a pretty damn good job of getting the bat on the ball and um, and and you know evaluating guys properly and and, uh, and and then giving them a role that they could they could not only uh, fulfill but but add to and then first and foremost is you had to sign who are you gonna sign of, of your own free agents and then you know rank what's out there in the veteran free agency and so the pieces of puzzles start to fall into place now you know it's like all right well we know what XYZ is not coming back. We might be able to retain, you know, RST here. And now let's look, you know, what's out there in terms of veteran free agency. And and then if we can't get it done that way, we got to do it during the draft. So they're putting that uh, big jigsaw puzzle together as we speak. Yeah.
3: All right. Great stuff, Lap. Thanks for the breakdown, man. Good luck winning that family pool, buddy. Bring her home and we'll talk to you again soon. (laughs) Appreciate it, man. Have a great one. Thanks. Dave Lapham, longtime radio analyst, Cincinnati Bengals on the Brian Heaton Coin Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Alright, Party Like a star. up next. Rothman and Ice in the
1: Fan. There's nothing Bo Bishop can't do well, except find competent
0: co-hosts Bishop and Friends. Weekdays from 9 to noon. The fan. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the Lifelock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at Lifelock.com/slash aware.
1: Let's all gather into the Kiki.
0: It's time to party like a Roth
1: star.
3: All right. Will we have the same one today? I, I have a feeling one of us has to name this guy, but I'll be curious if
4: you do. So I'll give you the honors first. I think there's two guys last night from the same league yeah. <laughs> that could be a party like a raw star, but I'm not starting there. Okay. I'm not starting there. I'm going to start in the NBA, but I'm going to start here locally, AR, because the Cleveland Cavaliers, your Cleveland Cavaliers have won eight games in a row and last night did they, that happened right man <laughs> it's been out of sight out of mind for some because we're so wrapped up in football season but last night you go into orlando a very solid young team you get tremendous performances from spider mitchell he hits you with 25 points 13 assists sam merrill sam merrill i see you big dog Twenty-six points, eight of 13 from the three-point line this is such a big deal because of the injuries that the Cavs have been dealing with Darius Garland, Evan Mobley. Other guys have been in and out of the lineup, but your stars, two of your stars, have been gone. And now the Cleveland Cavaliers are sitting in the fourth slot in the Eastern Conference. Massive win last night. Incredible win streak right now for the Cavs. They're partying like a raw star.
3: All right. You went to the NBA. I'll do it for us. Do it. Um, this guy was drafted after Andrew Wiggins and Jabari Parker. And when you get named in the same conversation as Wilt Chamberlain, at least on the court, it's an awesome thing. Maybe off the court too. I don't know. you get compared to Wilt Chamberlain off the court, that could work for some people. Who knows? But Joel Embiid became just the ninth player in NBA history to score 70 in a game. Mm. So he broke Chamberlain 76ers franchise record of 68 in the process. Yes, it was against the eight and 35 Spurs, but he finished with 70 points, 18 boards, five assists. Now, according to ESPN stats and info, that line has never happened in NBA history, 70, 18 and five. Man. So he became, as I said, the ninth player in NBA history to hit 70 in a game um, and he's the first player to reach that total, though, in under 39 minutes. So that may be the tiebreaker for a lot of people. And his, his prolific night was was nearly matched by uh, the big cat, Carl Anthony Towns, who scored 62 for the T-Wolves in a loss Crazy. to the Hornets. So Embiid and Towns, that's the fourth pair of NBA players to each score at least 60 on the same day. And the first since oh, old school David Thompson, and George the Iceman Gervin back in the late 70s.
4: But Joel Embiid, party like a Roth star. He's on the list. I am going with tight end Isaiah Likely for the Baltimore Ravens. When Mark Andrews went down, it was looking real bleak. Looking really bleak because we know Lamar likes to connect with Mark Andrews. Middle of the field. Those guys have been dynamite. Since Mark Andrews has gone down, Isaiah Likely has scored a touchdown in almost every game except one. Going back to their game against the Rams on December 10th, Isaiah Likely has scored a touchdown in every single game except the one against the San Francisco 49ers. This is a young weapon from Coastal Carolina. They got him in the fourth round in 2022, pick 139. He stands six foe, 235 pounds. You saw him catch that touchdown where he dunked on the guy, had a catch earlier in the game, where he stiff-armed a guy down the Batman hole. Isaiah Likely's been big time, man, and he really stepped up for one of the best players in the league partying like a raw stars number 80 for the baltimore Ravens.
3: your guy for sure uh maddie the year was 1991 uh cnc music factory was making everybody sweat and hannibal lecter was working up an appetite it was also the last time an amateur won on the pga tour Uh, that guy was phil mickelson but sunday in la quinta california 20 year old named nick dunlap uh, alabama sophomore ended the 33 year run So he's had a few pro starts, including the last two U.S. Opens and another one, but they've all equaled missed cuts. He shoots 60 in the third round. Mm. So that makes him one of only two amateurs ever to shoot that number at a PGA Tour event. And then he finished him off on Sunday winning the entire turn. He made a six-footer, ice water in his veins, Cinderella boy. One unfortunate problem. He can't take home any of the $1.5 million for first place because he's an amateur. Now, winners on the PGA Tour get membership for the next two seasons. He would actually have the option to defer his membership, and he could stay and just NIL it up at Bama. Uh, He has until, I think, a month after the conclusion of this
4: year's season to decide... But uh, got to give it to Nick Dunlap, partying Like a Rothstar. Star. Last guy for me, I'm going with Jameer Gibbs. When I watched Jameer Gibbs play, he reminds me so much of a young Alvin Kamara, and he just put his mm-hmm. whole skill set on display against the Buccaneers in the divisional round at home. Nine carries, 74 yards, average over eight a pop. He gets to the paint one time there, and then he says, you know what, Jared Groff, if you need to dump it off to me, big dog, I'm open here as well. Four targets, caught all four of them for 40 yards. I love his story. Went from Georgia Tech to Alabama, turned himself into a first-round draft pick. And now here we are, for me, looking at Detroit as one of the best young offensive units in the league, and they're going to be around for a long time. And this guy, Jameer Gibbs, who averaged over five yards per carry this season is showing you why he is going to be a force to deal with in years to come jameer Gibbs partying like a roster
3: that's a great one by the way he's the youngest player in nfl history to score a go-ahead touchdown in a fourth quarter of a playoff game 21 years 307 days it's amazing uh last one for me as i usually do i'll go to the ice uh he was drafted by minnesota the wild in the fifth round back in 2015 135th overall and they can thank a good old fashioned canceled flight form. According to the Wild, when they drafted Kirill Kaprizov, they their scouting department only became aware of him when smog from the California wildfires that year delayed their flight home on a scouting trip to Russia. They had to stay and go to watch a game and they saw Kaprizov. And now the last two games he has 5 goals in 2 games, two Friday in the power play, had a Hattie on Saturday. Third career regular season hat trick uh, he's been named an all-star the last three years including this year Kirill the thrill kaprizov uh, partying like a roth star all right sports center update here top of the hour we'll get back to it should the browns get into the fight for other teams for this certain player we'll tell you next rothman and ice in the fans.
1: unlike your deadbeat uncle we'll never leave you stranded in a ditch when you were six this promo may have been a touch too specific
0: change the game on identity theft save up to 25 percent your first year at lifelock.com slash aware
1: the perfect ratio of sports talk
0: dogs pro wrestling
1: and gambling advice it's science you're listening to rothman and ice
3: second hour of the program rothman and ice can't wait to uh get back into the nfl stuff this week This Fab Four that we have, it's not like, you know, if Houston would have snuck through, that would have been a decent story. If the Packers played the Lions, of course, that would have been a decent story. But the fact you get the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Lions, and the Niners, um, all right there, every compelling story you have here. Lamar, MVP, can he turn it into a Super Bowl? Can Mahomes actually win another one on a team that we thought was very just average outside of him? Can the Lions do something that is in most people's lifetime, never thought, could even uh, sniff a Super Bowl. The 49ers, who were considered the best team, then kind of an overrated team, and then when you get Purdy into the game, if the Niners get there, will there be some anxiety in thinking that Purdy, in the most important game in the world of his life, then what will Mr. Irrelevant do? Because we've seen him be in the MVP conversation. We've seen him say, you know what? He's average. Just distribute the ball and don't lose it for us. Like, I just gave you like four just minor
4: headlines of each team. And they're all compelling to me. Yeah, man. This The Kansas City part that you mentioned, It's it's got not the exact type of vibe, but similar to what Alabama felt like to me this year, right? Where you looked at Alabama and they didn't feel like that dominant kind of death star force that we've seen in years past where Kansas City was cooking with Tyreek and Travis Kelsey and all of those guys and this year for Bama they had to go about it a different way for me they had really inconsistent quarterback play and there weren't the you know Julio Jones, Derrick mm-hmm. Henry's of the world running around but Nick Saban and that team found their way into the most important portion of the calendar now here we are again with Kansas City playing in an AFC title game now it's not an arrowhead but he's still four quarters away from being four quarters away and I think a big piece of their success this year is just how darn good their defense has been right like Mahomes and Reed and Kelsey, those guys get the headlines, but their defense this year has been absolutely nasty. So in that game, you got Mahomes and Lamar, both those guys with incredible abilities going up against two of the best defense the NFL has had to offer this season.
3: Yeah, and you can make the case that the play that who made Chris Jones, I think, made the play where he pushed the offensive oh, yeah, lineman man. back into oh, yeah. Josh Allen. He steps on his foot. He can't get enough on that throw and that may have saved the entire game for the Chiefs, but yeah. here they are again, and it's. I don't think they're not a true villain um, because they've lost maybe their biggest villain, which was Mahomes' little brother. I think the is Swift, little brother? the Swift thing I, is
4: making. I think for some, yes, them a villain. It's a little too
3: much yeah. for some people, and I and I can understand it, but we went through this with Giselle. When Tom Brady was doing his thing, they were cutting to Giselle. She's a supermodel. She looks good on TV. Let's cut to her. What a genius move. (laughs) Swift, same deal. She's involved now with the whole thing. She seems very into it. A lot of people are we were, were talking about when they were dating that this was just a gimmick for both of them and while it was cool for him to date a, a superstar, you know, pop musician and for her to be dating the, the famous football player who yeah. also host SNL like to me I never I never thought it was fake it seems I, like it's real he threw up the heart when he after the touchdown up to the sweet I love you babe I'm telling you we you and I I don't know if we did kind of a pseudo bet on this I said that my big mark is if she went to Lambeau in the wintertime to see her team. Like, it's easy to go to New York. It's easy to show up in Kansas City, his hometown, (laughs) stay at his place and all that. But is she going to make a separate trip to Green Bay? And she did. Mm -hmm. And that was it for me. That Mm -hmm. was it. And so now I feel like... And they're both from the same area, part of the country, you know, Pennsylvania, Ohio. Like, I feel like they're both around the same age.
4: Like, this... It's real, I, man. I feel like you got the moms involved. Odds like, it's gonna work. Damn, everybody's involved with the, that whole suite. It seems like it's a little too crowded. Like Mahomes' yeah. dad and in there, and the Mahomes' wife, the Kelsey brother, my, uh, I'm Kelsey with you on that. It's like, can we separate the booths a little bit? Like it always seems like it's just overly crowded in just the just jamming that she's in. them in, Maddie. Yeah. It's a real jam session, oh, babe. A, it's not annoying me that much. I'm just at a point now I, where, like, I, I get it. Okay, they're going to show Taylor Swift a lot during the game. It doesn't bother me. But for some people, I can get why they're just like, all right, let's just move on to something else. But I ain't going to no, happen, folks. I, I'm telling honestly, you, honestly, I I'm getting eight more quarters of it. Eight. <laughs> I'll see if I can. Sneak don't that say in. that.
3: <laughs> uh, we got a story for you later, and I'm, I'll say this right now. Oh man! In pre-snap reads like a two twenty. I don't even know if Maddie will watch the game this weekend, oh, and I am going to tell you why. And I'll tell you then. And it's and it's real to him. Yeah. It's not real to me, but it's very real to him, and it's very real to a lot of other people. That have read the story, and I'll give that to you then. There's your your big tease of the day. Look at you. You're um, a pro. I will tell you this that and I don't know if even C B knows this. So when Kirk Cousins went down this year, Flacco called the Vikes.
5: Hmm. Did you know that? But he said I know he tried out for some T V spots, but that was about it. No, oh, I he, didn't
4: even know that, did he?
5: Okay. Try to help I, on TV.
4: I believe that
3: he called the Vikes. Interesting. And said I, you know, your starting quarterback, season-ending Achilles. This yeah. was in October. And Minnesota said, we're good. Thanks. Thank you. They had your boy Move along. There. J-Dub, right?
4: Who's with Dobbs up there?
3: Yeah. yeah. By the way, he got amazing. And then what happened? Well, yes. <laughs> Crashed down to earth. So here he is. Flacco's going to free agency in March. He wants to play for another two years. So that's out there. And the issue is that the Browns heavy quarterback, who's on a fully guaranteed $230 million contract. Mm. And so, I always thought this is incredibly unlikely. First of all, Flacco's not coming back to beat out Deshaun. No. He's an emergency veteran quarterback who played lights out for them, who had the four straight 300-yard games, and helped them get into the playoffs, and then Flacco became the Flacco we all know, yeah. and made a couple of bad throws, but... I don't think there's any real serious interest from the Browns. He's an emergency quarterback. And here's why, here's what I'll tell you. It's not that he can't win you games. We saw that. But he's what he is. He's a 40-year-old emergency veteran quarterback. Who can get you into the playoffs, which is fine. I guess there's money attached to that, but you're not winning a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco at quarterback.
4: Probably not. Probably not. So I think one thing that I would think about too, if I were, you know, Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry when it comes to Flacco is let's say we run into, you know, four or five weeks into the season and Deshaun's not playing well. Then we got a situation on our hands because then the media is going to be asking about, well, the guy that you got down there, that's your backup right now, played really well for you a season ago. And just creating that type of storm, I would want to avoid, even though football wise, it would make some sense for him to be there because of his comfortability within the offense and the guys like Elijah Moore and some of the playmakers and Njoku that had a pretty decent connection with him. Amari had Mm -hmm. a historic day with Joe Flacco getting him the ball but I think about those things too and that's just a big if Deshaun doesn't click. We know how the game always works. You might get, you know, chance from the crowd. We want Flacco. We want Flacco in all of that stuff so I don't know how much they would invest in that. That's just something I would think about also we don't know how much they love DTR and how much they think he's going to be ready to take a leap into that role of being the backup quarterback there seemed to be a nice nice amount of love for him this season but he also was a young guy and he got banged up and i completely understand that but he would probably be the cheaper option too because joe flacco is now at a point because of all the good numbers that you laid out to where he can go around this offseason and ask for pretty decent backup quarterback money and you look at last year Jacoby Brissett left Cleveland, went over to Washington, Mm -hmm. and got $8 million a year. Do you pay a guy like Joe Flacco that amount of money when you're already paying Deshaun at the clip he is, and obviously you want to be able to spend elsewhere? So that could be the tough part because Flacco and his agent, I'm sure, are looking back and saying, yeah, we're not going to be close to the top of the market at quarterback. I get that. But there's a chance that he could really make some decent backup money.
3: Yeah, and I don't think – I mean, I'm just guessing, but I think that the money will be – Comparable, I think of a guy is approaching forty years old and wants to play two more years. He wants to be a starter. He, he if you are going to pay him, let's say the Browns paid him.
4: What you said, good backup money. The, the highest backup was Brissette at eight million dollars. He's not getting that. last year. You got guys no. like A. R. Dalton got six in Carolina. Right, let's go with that six million a year. Let's go with that because I think actually he's probably earned that two for twelve.
3: Okay, so if if I gave him two for twelve. And that's that's fine. I, it's he's a valuable backup. We've seen this now, and now I don't know what they're converting here. Money they can probably afford to do that. I just feel like if I'm Flacco, I would have to get lowballed by so many other teams, where I would pick the money over. I mean, he's made he's earned one hundred and seventy five million yeah, in his NFL <laughs> career now. That's fine, and I'm not opposed to getting more money. I'm just saying, if you're telling me that I can make $6 million a year waiting for Deshaun to get injured again, which, by the way, maybe the odds maybe feels like, hey, there are a lot of things that are less guaranteed in life than that. Or I can go and find a place that will pay me similar money, even if it's less, because I want to play. I, I I just feel like that would be if Joe wants to play football at this age, wouldn't you pick starter over money? It just to me, I think it's a no brainer. I
4: guess we'd have to ask ourselves what openings right now uh would look at Flacco and say he should be the guy who Vegas, uh New
3: England, uh if Washington doesn't get a quarterback, what's going on with Russell? Will he'll be gone? Denver, and, and I
4: see, yeah, like, no, there there may be some openings there. I just
3: to not me, that he, they want him. Right. I, that they that would be a backup plan for them. I to bring in him.
4: It's he's a total bridge. Yeah, yeah. And so I feel like they're going to ride with DTRs there too. Yeah, and, and to to avoid all the narrative stuff that I mentioned, I think that would be a smart plan for them. But you we, mean if Deshaun looks bad? And then they have to deal with the nightmare of of knowing what he had done. Right or even yeah. if he's there I think that's an issue yeah. or can become an issue because then you're creating a little bit of a storm there that I don't think you would have to You don't you want step Deshaun looking over his shoulder, you don't want to deal with the fans. What what would be Well, and, I, and that's just uh, the caveat was yeah. if Deshaun isn't playing well, then I think the questions from the media to Kevin Stefanski would be well, you know, are you starting to think about maybe going to another And that would just be that's worst case scenario. Yeah. But Deshaun hasn't shown us a lot since he's been in cleveland and i think we could all sit here and say that i don't really know if any of us have an idea of what he truly is anymore it's just been a roller coaster ride and we haven't got those peaks that we saw from him in his you know early early years as a quarterback he'd have to really stink really
3: bad over a couple three games for them to say okay we're going back to flacco Like, honestly, I think they have to ride out whatever they, whatever Deshaun gives them, Mm -hmm. they gotta ride through the storm now. Anything outside of an injury where he can't play, you are playing him. You are developing him, and you hope if you get in the playoffs again next year with him, that he's has enough games under
4: his belt where that talent can shine. I agree like, with you. You just yeah. know the world we live in, sports media, first take and all these shows are going to be throwing up the graphic of, they got Flacco. Deshaun's playing horribly. We just saw where Flacco's ceiling is. Oh, I know. I'm yeah. just, I'm just, <laughs> and look, this is just a big if in, in this whole conversation because I, I think Deshaun's going to be okay next year. Like I said, I don't know if he'll be great, but I do think if he stays healthy, he could be okay. But yeah, I, I would roll with DTR as the backup to avoid all of this stuff that we're talking mm-hmm. about financially and within the locker room and all that
3: all right when we come back you know when you stick with a coach somebody has to move the spotlight somewhere else and dallas has done that and if they would have switched to belichick i don't think any of this would be happening right now but it is and they've got some fingers pointing and the calls are coming from inside the house. We'll tell you about it next.
1: Rothman and Ice and the fans. Love Crew Soccer, us two. Let's get married and catch every game
0: together. Proud to be your local home for the black and gold, the fan, Ohio Sports, destined.
1: always as tender as a well-done steak this is is rothman and ice
3: all right welcome back final four of the nfl coming up this weekend our friend gary gramley is the senior editor runs the football beat at the messenger nice enough to spend a few minutes with us on the brian heating cooling systems fangus hotline gary welcome back
2: good to be here guys
3: um all right so let's let's talk about the final four real fast here and um, do you have a lean here does it make sense to stay with the home teams or did green bay show something that the lions certainly feel better about them going to san francisco especially if debo is not 100% uh how gettable uh, is san francisco as, right now
2: as long as uh i think as long as the uh, ball stays moisture free we're probably all right with the 49ers here I, I, you know there's it, it, with everything with all these games i always say you know everyone sort of pencils teams in it's, it's 80% the 49ers are going to win this game or, or whatever you want to call it. If there's some fluky thing, if there's specialty in turnovers, if there's deflecting interceptions, yeah, then it turns. But it should be the 49ers win that game. The other one I think is a genuine uh, coin toss here. You are seeing what the Chiefs are when professional wide receivers catch the ball. Or not even all the time. Sometimes Nico Hardman just uh, uh, fumbles constantly in red zone and they win anyway. Uh, that team's really, really good. They obviously match up fairly well with the Ravens, even though what the Ravens do defensively this year under Mike McDonald is uh, a little more diverse than what they did under Wink Martindale the past couple of years here.
4: We were reacting to some of the uh, social media drama that's going on with the Dallas Cowboys before. We brought you on, and we kind of ended the conversation with Dak Prescott and what's next for him and his financial situation. Gary, you've obviously seen this guy for years now, and we just saw what happened again in the postseason. Is it a no-brainer for you that he needs to get extended, or if you're Dallas somewhere in your mind, Jerry Jones and company, do you start to think, eh, maybe this isn't our guy and we got to think about other options?
2: The only thing you'd possibly say, I mean, what, they are like five dudes who maybe you'd you say undoubtedly, you know, if, if there was any chance, and you can't get these guys, if there's any chance there's a door crack open to get Mahomes or Allen or Burrow or Herbert Lamar, uh, you go get him. Other than that, you got Dak. He's right there on that second tier. You can win with that. You can live with that. Uh, you gotta, you know. <laughs> I think every time I'm on with you guys, I always say the Cowboys every season is just going to end with a playoff loss to the Forty Nine ers, which probably would have happened again uh, had they gotten past Green Bay. But look, it's it's. It's kind of like the same deal with the Bills. It's like there's kind of nothing you can do here. You had a really good team. You're in it every year. You have to finish in the playoffs, but these are all one game sample sizes. Uh, you know, it's just you're you're going to stumble sometimes, and uh, they obviously they, they stumbled at the wrong time this year. Uh, probably probably a game or two early than they usually would stumble.
3: Yeah, I'm with you on this. I mean, unless somebody in that building, unless his Dak's brother is his agent right now, and just is willing to waive his no-trade clause and all that, then there's nowhere to go with this. Unless you think somehow... Trey Lance is still on the team, isn't he? They did acquire him. (laughs) Like, I don't... Yeah. Yeah, there's nowhere to go. (laughs) I mean, there's... And and there's no indication from Dak that he's looking to get out of there. And he certainly, if he did, let's say the unthinkable happened, and they would never release him. It's not practical. Um, But if he did become available, I mean, the three of us could come up with a dozen teams right now that might say, wow. We got to go get Dak Prescott. So I feel like um, they're kind of stuck here. It is the way it is. Are you more surprised that they didn't remove Mike McCarthy?
2: A little surprise. Uh, kind of pleasantly surprised. I don't want to oversell it. I don't want to sit here and say Mike McCarthy uh you know it belongs in the the uh, Hall of Fame or anything like that. He's a good coach. He's a legitimately good coach. Uh, he's kind of you know he's an easy target for, uh, for folks like us who uh, who like to get our jabs in on. On, on head coaches, but he is a good coach. They were, I was skeptical when he moved on from Kellen Moore. They were better this year. They were better offensively. He was a better play caller than uh, Kellen Moore was for that offense. Uh, and, and, you know, it's the same kind of thing where it's like, well, who are you going to get to replace him? You're going to go get, you're gonna get Belichick after after the way it went in New England for a couple of years? Uh, you know, you're not going to pry away Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay or something like that. You got a good coach. You got a good quarterback. You got a really good team around him. That's that's enough. That's enough to be in it every year. And then you know that's all you can really plan for at this point.
4: So there's some buzz floating around today that you know maybe the Chargers and Harbaugh are close to striking a deal for him to be their next head coach. Your thoughts on that fit?
2: Weird fit. Weird guy though. So maybe it's the right (laughs) fit. They certainly have they have a leadership void throughout that, uh, throughout that organization. So obviously uh, they should be thrilled to get them. Uh, You know, the, the reason people would be hesitant to take that charge of jobs, the the one on its face is yes. The, the ownership has a long history of being very frugal, probably too frugal for uh, the taste of most NFL coaches uh, and what they'd expect from an NFL franchise. Uh, The other thing that comes up, Justin Herbert's amazing. He's M V P caliber. He's obviously a building block there. Uh they're really in a bad spot otherwise on that roster. A lot of Asian guys a lot of big name guys who I think uh, you know, people kinda uh boy, don't quite realize that they're uh they're past their best buy dates, uh, at this point. So uh it's it's a like you got the quarterback it's a pretty big teardown around it. I guess you could look at it and you, you almost gotta look at it like uh good at Texans for a year ago and maybe it's not quite that dire as far as the cupboard being bare but it's it's not a whole lot better than Houston was a year ago so you know do you sort of go into it and say like all right well let's let's get back to the playoffs and that's let's, let's after that talk about winning a playoff game and then getting into super Bowl, super Bowl contention at this point
3: We're having a conversation with our friend Gary Grambling he runs the football beat at the messenger he's the senior editor. All right, so we're either going to have Brock Purdy in the Super Bowl or Jared Goff. Uh, that's a guarantee. Are you, I guess, more confident in one over the other? I mean, Goff would be playing in a second Super Bowl. We know in the first one uh, he wasn't able to provide a touchdown. Purdy, Mister Irrelevant, great story, great team around him, but we have not seen him in the most in the most famous game in the world. Who would you trust more in the Super Bowl, Purdy or Goff?
2: I'll say this: both guys are in the same bucket, so I I don't necessarily want to want to make Brock Purdy sound like he's uh, he's secretly among the elite here because he he's not, and that's and that's fine. Most quarterbacks are not. Uh, They are, you know, they're guys who uh, facilitate a system, a very well designed system, and uh, obviously they have you know very good sporting casts and and really great coaching staffs around them to kind of lift them up. Uh, I'll say this for Purdy more than golf and more than let's say hypothetically not to not to hit anyone's straight here but a, but a to a ton of iloa uh he can create a little bit on second reaction if your play design doesn't work and that doesn't happen a whole lot with 49ers uh and and your quarterback has to create something out of nothing purdy can do that a little bit golf can't really do it at all and that's that's the big drawback with him i think golf has the, the better arm he's the uh you know, if you're talking about clean pockets, uh, you know, and, and all that stuff and ideal commission golf is that you want. I think the fact that Purdy is just a little more resilient is why I'd like him in a, uh, you know, in, in, sort of a super bowl situation here. Uh, but yeah, you know, both those guys, like I said, same bucket game, you know, game manager is, is a dirty word, but it shouldn't be. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're both competent game managers.
4: Real quick, Gary, do you, it seems like Philadelphia is going to let Nick Sirianni at least take one more lap around the track. The coordinators are, are out, and he's sticking um, as the captain of the ship. Do you like that call by their front office?
2: Yeah. Uh, it, it seemed, I, I mean, goodness, I, I, it's kind of unprecedented what happened to that team. And when they were 10-1, they weren't really a legitimate 10-1 but They weren't bad. But at the end of the season, they were bad. Uh, I think there's something to be said. They're kind of like the you know the, the brain drain of the you know losing James Lycan and losing Kevin Uh and they just couldn't really replace those guys. And obviously, there's there's some really big holes in the roster that need to be addressed here. But uh, I think there's enough. You know, he's built enough credit that you give him another shot here. But uh, I mean, even I mean, my goodness, we were having this uh, this conversation last spring. Do you think Nick Sirianni was going to be on the hot seat going into 2024? It, it would be unfathomable, but uh, gosh, what a what a spectac- spectacular collapse! He's got to get the coordinator hires right, and uh, and we'll see what happens after that. All
3: right, Gary, who you got in the Super Bowl? Who's playing?
2: Uh, I will go for the Niners Chiefs at this point.
3: All right, got you down, big man. Thanks for the conversation. <laughs> Great insight. We'll talk to you again soon. You got it, guys. Always a pleasure. Thanks. Gary Grambling, senior editor at The Messenger. He was on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems fan guest hotline. All right. When we come back, we'll hit you with a Buckeye Bolton. CJ Stroud putting his money where his arm has been. We'll tell you about that next. Rothman and Ice and the fan.
1: Join Bobby Mack and Jody Shelley for The Inside Edge. A behind the scenes look at all things Blue
0: Jackets.
2: Wednesday night at 7.
0: Your home for Jackets Hockey. The Fan. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S. based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. And Rothman and Ice present
2: Buckeye Politics, Sponsored by Logan AC and Heat Services. Feeling the chill? Call the experts at Logan Services now for hot deals on train furnaces, including 0% APR for 60 months.
3: All right, Buckeye Bolton time. Listen, when you're Ohio State football... And you're striving to be the best. Uh, In this world, you want to be the best team money can buy. And everyone's going for it. And Ohio State and their NIL collective has reaped a lot of benefits this week. There was a real call for it. There was a desperation to keep the kids happy. The ones that are here and the ones that are going to be here. And C.J. Stroud, who as Maddie informed
4: me during the break, was just announced to the the Pro Football no. Writers of America All-Rookie Team. So no. congrats to CJ. And not only CJ, but CB's guy as well, DeWan Jones, for stepping mm-hmm. in when Brownie's dealt with some injuries up front. And looks like he's got a decent future ahead of him. But no surprise there on CJ's side of things. But pretty cool to see Dewan Jones getting some love too, man, because he did play some decent football this year.
3: This is the story you like to see when a guy has success and the love for his university, the love for the players that are following behind him. And certainly he's gonna he's gonna be a very wealthy man and deservedly so. He already is. C.J. Stroud is giving back to Ohio State, so the foundation, the NIL Collective that's associated, obviously, or one of them that's associated with Ohio State that was co-founded by Cardell Jones, uh, was announced that Stroud has hit their platinum donor level. Okay. So I guess to get to the platinum donor level, you have to pledge in the range of at least fifty thousand dollars to the university, to the collective. So... CB now just I,
4: check right now with the employee of the, employee of the year. There's no he question. Just got. There's no question.
3: And not only that, then he would enjoy all the meet and greets that he loves so much. <laughs> Pre-game field passes, all that stuff, maybe a private tour of the facilities. Oh, That's the difference between CJ and a regular donor who gives 50 grand. Yeah. CJ... Isn't giving this money because he wants to get the stuff I just mentioned. He's getting that
4: no matter what. No doubt. Um, no doubt. I'm very curious to see AR if this becomes a trend because when one guy does it, you don't. I don't think you want to be one of these former Buckeyes or former whatever. And a lot of people know, hey man, uh, yeah, you're making about thirty million dollars a year, twenty million dollars a year. Can you help out your alma mater? So I'm very interested to see what type of ripple effect this has. (laughs) But but, you you know, they're probably I was thinking to myself,
3: yeah, I'll help out. I'll put them in my will, so when I'm gone, they'll get my money. (laughs)
4: That's tough, but look, good on CJ. Good on CJ for doing this, and I think he is going to be. And look, maybe there's been other guys at programs that have done it, and I haven't seen this, but this is one of the first guys I've seen do this. So I would not be shocked at all if we see this as a bit of a trend around the sport. It's just another thing that you hear about CJ Stroud, and not only just the, the player that he is, and he's just an absolute monster on the field, but there's just been so many stories this year that have highlighted the dude. That is C.J. Stroud and the leadership role that he stepped into immediately down there in Houston and how much his teammates love him and the city loves him. And here he is doing another thing that's going to make people around here, especially Buckeye Nation, fall in love with him. So, yeah, C.J. just been knocking it out of the park everywhere this year. Well, a lot of this money is going to boomerang back to these guys because even
3: though they're giving, it's because we'll see whether the D1 schools actually start doing licensing deals directly with their guys. So essentially you'd be paying them to be school ambassadors in a way. And some of the wealthiest schools like Ohio State certainly could be required, as we did the story I think a month ago or whenever it was, to pay their athletes a certain amount of money per year. So for a school like Ohio State with hundreds of athletes... You could have to pay $10 million to your athletes mm. to be ambassadors of the schools. And right now, these collectives that we're talking about, they're, they're running independently from the schools. Um, they, they spring up all over the place, and the athletes can make money off their celebrity, yeah. and here we are. So there are a ton of collectives, and they all want donations from their boosters, from the alum like CJ, from their fans even. There was a call for the fans. To, hey, sh- don't tell us how much you love us. Show, me. show us how.
4: Show me. The business... of that grandma's Christmas cash now. The business side of the sport has never <laughs> been crazier, man. It, it, Crazy it, is the right it, word. It really... Hasn't and it's just something that you have to do, and you gotta adapt if you're one of these major programs. And I think Ohio State has shown us this all season that hey, if they really want to get into the game, they're gonna get in the game because you brought in some big names: Will Howard, Quinshon Jenkins, Caleb Downs. The list goes on, man. With what we've seen, and because of the demand, when you uh, you know you get into business with players like that, the money has to follow. So I know it's some sticker shock for a lot of people still. But, man, I think you're going to be happy if you get to next year. and Caleb Downs and company are holding up the trophy, and there's a lot of people that think they're going to be capable of doing that. And these type of things are now playing a major part.
3: You'll like the way you look. You guarantee it. Darn right, man. I could use a new Uh, suit. Carter Lowe. This is the big offensive tackle, I believe, from Toledo, from Whitmer. Okay. And I think Ohio State is on a very warm list as far as 24-7 sports is concerned, CB. I would say be ready to be excited for sure.
4: Oh, you got some inside information because he's, he's
3: up against what Ohio State's up against? What Georgia, Michigan, obviously, Alabama, but he's an Ohio kid, so you I got the a edge lot right there. Uh, those old crystal
5: balls are in the favor of the oh, good guys. Another crystal ball.
3: Crystal ball has never let us down. The eight ball, yes. <laughs> Maddie's eight ball <laughs> that he's still looking I, for. Can I get a couple of those? <laughs> CB? Did you save the quote? I don't want oh, that to disappear. <laughs> we can recover it. That that needs to be recovered. Yeah, we need it. We do need it. We do need it. I, I think the know. exact quote was you guys know anywhere I can get a good eight ball. <laughs> I think I used the word sell, they? <laughs> oh, that's even, that might be worse. <laughs> exactly. That's why it was so bad. <laughs> All right, so Carter Lowe will be watching you. Okay. He'd be class of 25, twenty five, six five, two ninety out of Toledo Whitmer. And so we'll keep an eye on
4: him. They've done a, a pretty, pretty decent job, yeah. too, as well. CB, remind me of the brothers that are committed on the offensive line. So the Armstrong Twins, are they're
5: now enrolled in the spring semester.
4: The Armstrong Twins. Yeah, I caught one of their games. So that's great to see that. There, there seems to be a nice connection, right, with it's about a connection. some of the guys. Every time I say that, I know that's following, and I love it. But just that's the big deal, right? Because you remember the story S- for The years Stretch ago. Armstrong brothers. Right. You remember the story a couple of years ago where Jackson Carmen didn't come to Ohio State. He went to Clemson, and everybody's mm-hmm. like, are they putting a the fence around Ohio? Seems to be some decent momentum there, especially with these offensive linemen, that they're liking what they're seeing down here in Columbus.
3: They're winning the offseason. They are. There's no question. They are. And it helped that little Nikki decided to pull Ripcord in Tuscaloosa. No question. It helped that there was enough pride and care and anger and all-in feeling with the coaching staff. And they found more money. They brought in another AD who's got this youthful feeling. I'm putting your best foot forward. He's as starry-eyed and as excited to be leading Ohio State as anybody I've seen. And so all of a sudden now it's Ohio State is back, dot, dot, dot. We'll see. We
4: shall see. you know, so it's all there. Yeah, man. It's just if they if this team stays healthy next year, uh, I think we're going to be uh, a lot of Buckeye fans should be happy with the product that they get. But the measuring stick games are still going to be there yeah. and they got to prove it to everybody that they can do it. So you can roll through the conference all you want all year. But they know and we know what it comes down to. It's going to be four quarters against those Wolverines. No,
3: Knowing, though, that. The loser is still getting into the playoff well, this year. Thank that's you for the, reminding and me and of that. And that's the difference.
4: Thank you for reminding me of
3: that. Yeah, because yeah, that's real. Absolutely. All right. That'll do it for the Buckeye Bulletin today. All right, we'll do a sports center update here, top of the hour. And Mel Kuyper dropped his latest mock draft. Where's Marvin Harrison and who does he have going number one? We'll tell you next. Rothman and Ice in the fan.
1: Let me see. Buckeyes? Yes. Jackets? Yes. Crew? Yes. Fart noises? Hell yes. The
0: fan, Ohio Sports Destiny. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a US based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.
1: Most shows just skim the surface, but Rothman and Ice feel like the biggest story of the day deserves a closer look. It's time for A Deeper Dive.
3: All right, final hour of the program, Rothman and Ice. Ari Wasserman will jump on bottom of the hour. He of The Athletic, National College Football Report, and will get his gauge around the nation on how great Ohio State is looking this offseason, whether he feels that'll translate into a title. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, I mean, I said this yesterday that I already, If even if Ohio State hadn't been doing what they have been doing this offseason, I just felt like he was gone anyway. Like, this just had the all-in feel, and he got it. And... I I remember asking a lot of people, Maddie, whether, like, if he fell short in the national title game, would that have mattered? I don't think it would have. The fact that he wound up winning it, I think, means everything. Because it really, if there was any pull to get back there and think he could eventually win a national title, the box is checked. Imagine doing that at your alma mater. Mm. Like, star player, guaranteed the win over Ohio State years and years ago, does that, comes back. Um, There's a thought of maybe him being fired. He's taking pay cuts. Um, and it's one demoralizing thing after another for them against Ohio State, and then they flip the switch, man. The whole script gets flipped on Ohio State. He wins a few in a row, parlays that into a title, sidesteps the controversy along the way, takes suspension, and the fact that he wants due process, it's all about due process. I want my due process. Friday comes, here's the hearing, where's Jimmy? I'll tell you what, I'm going to sit this one out. Like He has done... A remarkable job as far as inspiring leadership in his team, ownership of his team, trusting his assistants, and having everybody feel like this was all in. And they got it. And so whatever happens after this, I think everyone that's involved in Michigan's program is like, you know what? It was worth it. Was was all this worth it? And they'd be like, yes, it was. And I remember posing the question to you guys, and you could pose it to Ohio State basketball fans, even probably more than football fans, because they just haven't tasted a national title. Like, would you take some sort of a, a down few like a real down, like a total bottoming out? Maybe it's a bad question to ask Ohio State basketball because they haven't had the highs of highs lately. But I think if you asked Michigan fan, they'd absolutely take all of this. If they get sanctions, if you get vacated stuff, or if Jimmy leaves. Like, you live off this stuff for years. But the point of it being that... He's got to be seeing what Ohio State's been doing. Not that it would matter to him because he probably was gone anyway. But this feels to me like... If he was going to jump off, this just gives him
4: more spring. Oh yeah, absolutely. And now he can go into the league and chase something that he hasn't done before, right? You mentioned all the good things about him coming back to his alma mater and checking that box, but he's never won a Super Bowl as a coach in the NFL. He had a team in San Francisco that a lot of people, myself included, thought were going to win that game, but now that's something else. And when you're an athlete or a coach or just people in life, right, where there's something that can motivate you to keep going and you can combine that with something you already love doing and we know this man loves football and loves coaching. It, it complete. I can completely understand the timing of this, and especially when you know we're all, I guess, assuming that something negative is coming from the NCAA in the form of punishment. It's exactly what that is. We don't know, but it doesn't seem like things are going to be great for Michigan. Uh, maybe for a year or two. Who knows how long that's going to be? So now. Now that you hoisted up the trophy, now there's a job out in LA that a lot of people have connected him to. And then you have even more news coming out today to where people are saying that, you know, uh, Jim Harbaugh and the Chargers are in striking distance of getting a deal done. The momentum is seems to be really gaining a lot of uh, speed behind it when it comes to this specific team and Jim Harbaugh.
3: Uh, let's listen to the people that are covering the story at the moment. This is from the NFL network. This feels like we're now in the uh, zone where something could happen between the Chargers and Jim Harbaugh in the near future. My understanding is that it is is an extremely strong offer that they have made to him financially. Uh, They're now in the point where they're going to discuss staffing when it comes to Mm -hmm. general manager and obviously the coaching staff who's going to work alongside Harbaugh as well. So this feels like advancing to the point where if everybody's comfortable with a lot of the principal uh, factors at play, That this team could move on Jim Harbaugh and try to get him under contract here in the near future. That feels like where we are. That feels like Harbaugh is not just toying with the NFL to try to get Michigan to agree to something, to jump back to college. Judy, this has felt like Harbaugh has his eyes locked on the NFL. And this could be the move in the near future to Los Angeles, back to California, where he's coached before, where he's
0: played before, where he'd be comfortable.
3: Uh, no doubt about it. And then the money comes along for the ride, and like Maddie said, he gets a shot with a great quarterback who on a team that's underachieved to this point, and he gets into a heck of a situation. It's almost too ideal. If this goes the yeah. other way, I'll I'll be blown away. It, it, if somehow this doesn't work, cause this you asked uh Gary Gramleaf to fit. Yes, a hundred thousand percent. This is a fit for him. And the other part about it is Ohio State's strengthening here in the offseason off the three straight losses. Michigan's going to be weakened. National title hangover. Coach departs. The other part of the equation you have to think about is who's he going to bring with him? Well, because not only, not only is Michigan get to the point where they have to try to get over and, and have a new coach, if Sharon Moore does get vaulted up to the head coach then they're probably that steadies the ship that's mm-hmm. probably the the best thing they could do but if he brings mentor along you know he's bringing his kid along cool. jay's
4: definitely yeah rolling. jay's going jay's Why? definitely rolling and and i think that's where in the voice we heard with that was mike Garofolo from the yep. nfl network as, as they are mentioned off the top there is that there it seems like they're in the the finite details of this deal now like it's just working out you know mentor what are you going to pay him what are you going to pay my son All of those things. And he mentioned the word lucrative. And we talked about this a little bit yesterday with the offer that Michigan has reportedly had on deck for him of 10 years for $125 million. I think they're probably going to start in LA at $15 million a year. I think that's what it's going to take. And I guess I would, or I guess I should be preparing myself for maybe he does get Sean Payton money. I don't think he's deserving of it. But when I hear a reporter go down that road and talk about, you know, how lucrative this deal is going to be, he's going to be, I think, within the top five highest paid coaches in the sport. So my guess is that he could
3: ask for a hundred million. He could ask for that deal. He could ask for twenty mil a year. He won't get it. Yeah. I don't think. And then he'd be more than thrilled to settle on something between fifteen and twenty because it's more than what like, Michigan is bringing and, to the table. And not only did yeah. it just this is what people don't. Understand. I keep saying this, and if I'm wrong, I'll admit I'm wrong. If somehow he retreats and things go down, because I listen, he could screw this up. He's done it before. He did it with the Vikes. I don't think he screws this one up. I think it's too good to be true for him, but he wants out. People don't realize, like, oh, he has all the leverage. Yes, to some degree he does because he won a national title and he's a very coveted guy. And I get it. There's competition out there with Belichick and Vrabel, but he has the resume of building teams, the quarterback and all that, attaching his... Him to Herbert would probably be a good idea. But you can't sell short the fact that he most likely wants to leave. And this is the best spot for him. So I think Spanos has a little leverage. We both want something. I think this is a win-win. I guess what I'm saying is I don't think Spanos has to say... I don't think Harbaugh has to hold him hostage for... I need a hundred million, or I'm not taking no, the job. No, no.
4: That's not happening. No, I don't think that's yeah. the case at all. He wants this job, and he it, it's a prime position as well. That you can go in and have a little bit of that savior vibe, in the same way you had with Michigan, right? You had to take it on the chin for a while, and it was looking very ugly with the way Ohio State was dominating that rivalry. But now you could have the shine on you as a head coach and saying, "Man, this young, athletic uh, quarterback that has a cannon of an arm that's throwing up all these uh, really good numbers, and he's 25." 26 years old, I can go over there and take him and this team to heights that they've not been to before. And as a head coach, I have to imagine that's something something that can motivate you as well. And a part of the reason why I think Bill Belichick is interested in that Atlanta job because Bill's had to hear for years, hey man, you lost Tom Brady. That's it. You don't got it anymore, man. You don't have it anymore. We're saying, you know what? I'm gonna go to a place that a lot of people don't think uh have a have a roster that's ready to win at a high level but i'm bill belichick let me show you what i could do and i think that could be a little bit of the mindset here for for harbor outside of all the michigan stuff that's coming their way is hey man i could really make this kid justin herbert look even better and that's going to look great on my resume
3: yeah well the difference to me in the two of them is one he has a a pro bowl type quarterback and the other one doesn't and so if, no, I guess if, I just
4: brought that up. Just their motivation oh, yeah, for Bill motivation to just for make, sure. that, you know, make yourself as a head coach look even better by going to a place that, because they don't have an all-world quarterback, I'm going to show you how good of a coach I really am. But is am. he
3: really making that move not knowing who his quarterback's going to be? Well, I
4: think maybe behind back channels. He may be That's calling, what I'm calling saying. your boy, maybe Kirk yeah. Cousins. And, and I'm just saying, look, to your point, Atlanta's situation doesn't look as good as the Chargers, but for Bill, I could understand why he would say, I'm willing to take that challenge.
3: Well... Yes, I I think that the thing ran its course in New England. I think he really believed that with Tommy gone, Mac looked good to start. It looked like they hit on something that he had the look of a game manager, like yeah. if we have enough weapons. But they never did enough around him, and that's Bill's fault. So could they have gotten Mac Jones to raise his level of game if he got him better weapons? Certainly, but I think we're we're closer to the ceiling than we are the floor with him. And I, I just that's the problem with Mac Jones. The Atlanta situation is is interesting because it would send bill to the nfc so that's good far away from new england and if if he gets a quarterback if if kirk cousins is the one then all of a sudden you got something and then he can make a run but bill's smart enough to know that he's got three to five years left coaching and he's not developing
4: desmond ritter and it's there's something there that he likes there's a vision that he's Mm -hmm. seeing that i think a lot of us aren't seeing and maybe it's more than just the quarterback maybe he is enamored with man i got B. John robinson mm-hmm. and drake london and kyle pitts and everybody keeps talking about this young offensive line that they have so maybe he's looking at the other pieces and saying man there's some really good structure down here the biggest thing is always finding that guy but i have to imagine there's a reason why bill is so i, I think locked in on this atlanta job he sees something that can get them going quickly because of the age and the window of time that he has Uh, Mel Kuyper's first-round predictions for the uh, 32 picks have dropped.
3: He does have Caleb. I don't have this right in front of me, Matty. Maybe you could pull it up. Yeah, he's got Caleb at number one. Caleb number one. So that means that the Bears are trading Justin Fields. No question. Now, there's the other avenue of this. What if the Bears traded Justin Fields to Atlanta? Would Belichick look at him and say, okay, I can... Make this work. It's a mobile quarterback. He's a weapon. Yeah. I think he would. I think that'd be something that mm-hmm. wouldn't send him running away from that job. Well, sure, maybe a that's part cor- of his plan. I, I think that's a good point. That could be good. So if Caleb is taking number one, the interesting thing to me is if Washington is picking second. You know, are we going to get three quarterbacks that go? 1-2-3 this year. Feels he like says,
4: it. He says, yeah. Feels like it, and it's a bit of a surprise. He's a Jaden Daniels yeah. guy over Drake May, and that's just for now. We're we're going to talk about mock draft you know, 3.0 and 7.0 all the way up into the draft, but he does have Jaden Daniels as the second overall pick ahead of Drake May. So, yes, quarterbacks 1-2-3, Caleb going to Chi-Town, Jaden going to Washington, and Drake May going over to New England.
7: Yeah,
3: part of this is I think there's just – it's just crazy appeal for the real mobile quarterback, you know. And we saw what Jaden did in college. And this movement to guys that can move is very real. It is. I mean, look up and down the pros. I mean, look at what we have now. Purdy is not a runner, no. but look at the team he has around him. And so he's the outlier. If you can build a team like that with the weapons that he has, mm-hmm. then you can make
4: it on that. Golf's it, the same way off the, the same way. way. He can run, but it's more about his arm. And then the everything around everything him around is him. really elite, but he can absolutely cook you there. But no question, like there, there has to be so many offensive coordinators and GMs that are really starting to warm up to not going completely away from the pocket passers, because more times than not, that's where the game is one but you saw that big run from mahomes right in the game against buffalo where he runs up that left sideline hits that dude with that pump fake and those are just backbreakers. and if you can get two or three of those a game you don't need the lamar hundred yards rushing all the time like he brings to the table but Jaden daniels can absolutely hit you with a little boff as we like to say let on the show let me ask you this who's the if we're ranking this as far as starters go yeah who's the worst athlete a quarterback Ooh, you know what? Let's cook that up in pre-snap. That's a great just, question. Let's cook that because
3: you know why. And you know why I brought it up? Yeah. Because in my mind, I'm thinking every one of these quarterbacks in the NFL right now can actually move. They're not runners like Lamar, but they can move. I who is like you know the old joke like. You know, somewhere by process of elimination, there has to be the worst doctor in the world, and the worst thing is somebody has an appointment to see him in about fifteen minutes. Like there has to be the worst athlete at quarterback uh-huh. in the NFL. I'll hit you with my who I think it is after the break. And then when we come back, the game that Maddie may not even watch oh, is no. this weekend. And I'll tell you, and, there, and I'm not being funny about this. He's real about it. He's absolutely real, and I'll tell you why next. Rothman and Ice in the fan.
1: If you haven't thought about Buckeye football today, I'm sorry to tell you that you're
0: dead. Our condolences. Your home of the Buckeyes, the fan. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Rockman and Ice present
2: Free Snap Reads. Sponsored by the Low-T Center. Reinventing men's health care.
3: All I kept thinking about was thinking about the worst athlete playing quarterback in the NFL right now. And it has to be a starter. And it's probably unfair for me to say like Joe Flacco, right? I mean, because guy's 40 years old almost. But I started thinking what went through my mind was Mac Jones, like half a mile walk to the podium to greet Roger Goodell, <laughs> and the arms swinging, and the dad bod kind of oh, rolling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wanted to go with kind of the big long strides, <laughs> but it was just such a long walk really that it really set him up to to fail. And so the names that I came up with, and I don't know, they're 40 times, because in a 40 time doesn't actually equal not being a good athlete. You can still be a decent athlete, not be fast. I know the two kind of go hand in hand, but. Yeah, for sure.
4: You can look like. Because you can be a good receiver and not be a blazer, but be a good route runner, and that's how you can create space, right? So the, there's other ways that you can get there. I get what you're saying.
3: So the guys on my list. Worst athlete currently playing quarterback in the NFL would be Mac Jones at number one. And then, believe it or not, I wanted to go to Zach Wilson, but I don't know his 40 time. And then the other one I would say is my boy Cousins Mm. would probably be
4: on that list. Would you like to take a guess, my friend, at Mac Jones' 40 time?
3: Was it? Are you giving me the over under of five seconds? <laughs> I honestly, I think he's got to
4: be in the. Just take a crack. Just take a guess. What do you think is 40 Five about? flat? You're close, man. He was a four nine one. Okay, well, <laughs> he was a four nine. That's a good guess, though. Yeah, but that's I mean, that's a good that's, guess. You were right there. Yeah, you're right there. All right. You want to take
3: your boy Kirk? You like that? I'm afraid to ask because <laughs> if he's slower than Mac Jones, I think he's actually a better athlete. But I think he is slow. Actually, he's the definition of what I just said. Potentially slower, but I think better in the pocket, better footwork. That mm-hmm. goes to athleticism. Mm-hmm. And obviously, he's a veteran, so it feels like he can manipulate that a little better. I'm afraid to find out that Kirk Cousins is actually slower
4: than Mac Jones. Please tell me he's not. Mac Jones beat him by the skin of okay, his that's... teeth. Mac Jones hits you with a 4.91. Kirk Cousins hits you with a 4.93. Oh. <laughs> How about this? This could be the weird one. Let me ask you, as long
3: as you got him going. Yeah, yeah. I think Tua's a decent athlete. Yeah. But I think he's an overrated athlete. Ooh, okay. I think, I think he comes off as he's so slippery, and I think
4: he's kind of overrated in that department. What was his 40? I have, after a quick Google search, a 47640 okay. for Tua Tungavailoa from Alabama. Not horrible. No, not bad. Not bad. I mean, it's.
3: It's weird because, like I said, there's a difference between being fast and being athletic. And,
4: Wait a but, minute. Now I'm seeing 4'9". Oh, that's out of high school. He got a little faster. We got a little faster from maybe like shed two a few. Maybe everything. shed a few pounds. Yeah. Um,
3: you got you got anybody else that I didn't name? No, that's... I
4: think you brought up guys that I would think about as dudes that seem like they have their feet stuck in mud when they're trying to run. How about this guy? Yeah. I just thought of one, and I,
3: I could be wrong because maybe he's a little more elusive. You, do you guys find Kenny Pickett
4: to be a... An athletic quarterback, uh, more athletic than the yeah. guys we mentioned for sure. Okay. Like if I had to guess, I think Kenny probably ran like a four seven. Something in that area. I had to guess, yeah. is that right? Okay, higher or lower than four seven? Four seven three. Four seven three. He's got All right. he, you know he's got those Whopper Junior hands. Man. He's yeah, beautiful. he's lighter, smaller hands. He st- is he starting a game next year for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Nick I, I I don't think so.
3: <sighs> Who's not? Who is then? Russell <laughs> well, Wilson
4: maybe I mean, Russ? Who, who mr is? unlimited justin you know? fields who is kirk mr unlimited i don't think i, I love it every time I, hear. I don't think mike tomlin wants to run it
3: back with kenny Pickett i think kirk wa- i think kirk got so used to playing in a dome for his home games he's like, i see him either in minnesota or atlanta like i don't know if he wants to go outside again mm-hmm. i know
4: he's done it his whole life mm-hmm. but once you get comfy in that dome I think it's a good point, for sure. And both of those locations that you mentioned have really good young playmakers. So that wouldn't be the issue, both in Pittsburgh and Atlanta. All right, here's the story that I've been meaning to get to. Oh, no.
3: And I thought this was a fun story and funny and Maddie doesn't even want to talk about it because he thinks it's that real. I, first of and all, and I don't.
4: CB's over there fist pumping because of my pain. Did you see that in there? Because he heard me say, oh no, talk and he's grinning, his fist pumping like he's Paulie D on Jersey yeah.
3: Shore. When well, like, my team's not involved
5: yep. over the weekend, I want to see the drama. Yeah. yeah. yeah
3: you had my drama. team, you you had him playing a clip from 13 years ago <laughs> about my <laughs> team's <laughs> what demise. What was
4: your retort? Oh, oh the Chiefs <laughs> kick y'all's tails. And, I, thought, and I actually <laughs> thought
3: about that overnight, and I'm thinking, okay, it is. 13 years ago. I should probably get past it. But <laughs> you guys keep bringing it up, and you don't allow me to get past it.
4: It's so iconic. So
3: the yeah. NFL, they have a ref in their rotation. who His name is Sean Smith. Okay. And there is a belief that the road teams in a game that's being refed by Sean Smith win at the number one highest rate in the NFL. Come on. Basically, he penalizes home teams in ways no other ref does. And he's calling the Chiefs at the Ravens. Why not? Of course he is. So the NFL assigned him to do this, and immediately everybody who doesn't want to see the Swifty in the booth at the Super Bowl says, you got to be kidding me. They're force-feeding. And the comeback I have here, here are the rates, by the way, if you want to know. Mm-hmm. Home teams have won only 40, less than 41% of their games in the last three years when this guy is the ref. That's the lowest win rate for any ref in the NFL. He's the secret weapon for the road team. So, now, <gasps> this I, is I don't know every game he's ever refed. Yeah. You'd have to look at what happened in the games. you have to take a nice deep dive, which we're not doing. And... But that's pretty amazing that there has to be a number one. Like I said, there has to be the worst doctor in the world. This guy may be the best ref for the road team in the history. And it
4: wasn't even close. So what you're telling me is when he's warming up to get loose as a ref, he's going to be listening to Taylor Swift for a game. Since and 2018, of out of 24 issue. refs, he is numero uno. I don't like what you guys are doing to me here. And I also didn't like the tweet I saw floating around this morning that the divisional game between the Chiefs and the Bills was the most watched divisional round mm-hmm. game ever. 50 million people. Ravens, you know, Ravens-Texans did 31 million. Yeah, Saturday Jeez. sun. It was different days. Yeah, that I mean, had, that had a lot to I do mean, with but it. But that's still Roger Goodell and company saying, wait a minute, you know, 50 million for that. What are we going to get in the Super Bowl? Well, we got to get
3: in one, one game was Saturday afternoon, and one game was Sunday night. Like, I mean, it, it's not and like it was it's a Texans Tuesday. Re- it was the Bills Chiefs. I, I get that, but it it's not like it was Ollie a, Frazier, a, a... man. It, it this wasn't
4: was... like it was a Tuesday at 5 o'clock where the game kicked off. Nobody, everybody, 4.30. Everybody's kicking it watching this game. Somebody did send me something last night. I got to find this behind so many emails that there's a stat that no quarterback this year, I believe, has won after beating Josh Allen. Oh. So some people are trying to help me out wow. with that. That I don't know if it's this season Lean or his, on that. his postseason career or something like that that where when Josh Allen takes an L to you, the week after that, they have not won again. I like that trend, Maddie. Yeah, that has nothing to do with Roger Goodell telling the rest we gotta get the Swifties to Vegas. You know. Swifty and Smitty. Oh, Smitty and Swifty. My biggest problem with all this is C B right now, with him, you know, hey, taking if the pleasure pro- if, in my pain. If the Brownies can't win it all, you
5: can't. Hey, I'm just happy for the Swift fans in my family. They get the, they get enjoyment out of it. Sure this. that's what it is. Yeah. I'm
4: sure that's exactly what it is.
5: CB might be <laughs> buying one of those Kelsey jackets.
4: Oh, whatever he's got to do. So I'm not happy he's going to Spe- do. It. Oh,
3: by the way, speaking of the Chiefs, I never did get that hoodie. You didn't send us a size. I sent you guys a picture. Are we doing that draft again this year? Absolutely. Absolutely. We didn't do it though. It's over. We did it at the, the beginning. Yeah, of the you playoffs. had to do it at the
4: beginning oh, of yeah, the playoffs. we had to, be with to draft all the teams. We'll, we'll do another draft. We'll do another draft, so you can another win another draft. You
5: know, another bet. There's only four Just teams left. Just base your all yardage draft this weekend on it.
3: <laughs> I lost that. Oh, I believe. Man. Did you add that up? I think I lost that to Maddie. I owe dinner on the company. No, I don't know. It's going to be
4: great. Debo went down. Hey, how that's part tough. of the game. Guess, we'll do it again. We
3: do sir. have to add it up and see how close it was. I do want to do that. Yeah, we should. I forgot. Who was your running back? Was it Pacheco?
4: Yes. It was Pacheco.
3: So you had Amon Ra, Pacheco, and Porter. Yeah. That hurts. But I had Kelsey yeah, two and Goff. Yep. All right. We'll come back with Ari Wasserman of The Athletic, Ohio State. Uh, they've won the offseason. Does it feel like they'll win the real season? We'll ask him next. Rothman and Ice and the Fan.
1: We're known for three things. Games, conversation, and common man yelling about things only he cares
0: about. The Fan, Ohio sports destiny. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, True to his
1: name, Matty Ice wears a winter coat in the middle of summer. He lives the gimmick, man. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. Ohio
3: State wins the offseason. It was an offseason they desperately needed to win. Had to find some narrative spin-off, losing to Michigan three times in a row, and then them planting the flag and winning the national title. So they get stronger. Michigan presumably will get weaker, but we'll believe it when we see it. Uh, come this November, but everything changes. The loser still gets into the playoff, most likely, unless Michigan just implodes or becomes, you know, postseason ineligible. We'll see. Our friend Ari Wasserman is with us. He's the national college football reporter at The Athletic, and he's one of the best. Ari, good to
7: have you back. You back? Hey, Anthony, thanks for having me on. I yeah. appreciate
3: it. You got it. All right, so no, give me it. give me your take on the NIL situation right now. Um it, it seems like this is certainly not what it was designed to be, which is that a guy comes to campus, he becomes a star, he can make money off his name, image, and likeness. This is a true, uh, go to your donors, give us money, and then the coaching staff presumably decides how much each guy is worth to them. And what do they do? They stroke him a big check on the way into uh, to the building? Or is this over time? What is your understanding of the money that's being passed around in NIL and how these players get it?
7: Uh, excuse me. Um, I, I think that's a very complex question because I, I'm assuming that it, it goes differently for everybody. You know, it, it was never supposed to be um, an inducement thing. But then when you go back and you look at the way that America works and the way that college football was built, it's based on the, the accumulation of talent. I mean, all the people in Columbus, Ohio, who watched Ohio State go from a really, really good program to a great program and Urban Meyer under Urban Meyer's leadership saw a team that, Increased its uh, recruiting rankings and brought more players in and got better that way. Um, So, of course, the money is going to flow to a certain extent to the players that are coming in in order to do that. Now, that is, um, you know, in terms of the actual contracts and the way that they're they're written, or you know, how the money is disseminated or when they get it, if it's lump sum or monthly and all that stuff. I think that, you know, from my understanding, is a case by case basis, but the fact that it's being used to retain players to keep them from, you know, going and being second or the sixth or seventh round picks in the NFL or to stop players from leaving your program or to, you know, convince players to come into your program. I mean, that's just part of the way the world works. You know, it's just, if there's money to be had for production and doing a job and somebody is better at that job um, than other people, then who's going to get paid the person who's better at the job. So, um, you know, it's a very difficult question and, you know, frankly speaking, I think it's just different based on who, uh, you know, is coming in, how they're coming in, what part of the career they are, how much leverage they have, what their other offers are. I mean, it's just a, a very complex situation that, you know, frankly, is not it's not open record. So it, it's really hard to tell from from person to person how that's all playing out. Yeah.
4: right, there seems to be, you know, people around the sport that think Coach Day and his staff have done a really nice job this all season with the, the talent that they've acquired, you know, maybe even in the coaching rooms, but obviously the guys that are going to be out there on the field. When you assess that talent, I guess, you know, we'll we'll take Will Howard off the board because he plays the most important position. But between Quinchon Junkins and Caleb Downs and some of the others, what's one of those moves that you think um, are really going to be big time for them?
7: I mean, I, I guess I would say all of them. Um, Caleb Downs, I think you can make the case as the best non-quarterback transfer uh, ever. I can't really think of another one. Maybe Jordan Addison from Pitt to USC. We knew that was going to be a pretty successful uh, pairing. But the thing that I think is is cool about what Ohio State did that they haven't really done in the past. From you know my time on the beat and, and covering it from afar um, is the willingness to take luxury pieces in the portal. Usually Ohio State accumulates their talent um, by, you know, getting a bunch of high school players. And I believe they only had three transfers starting for them a year ago and, you know, doing it that way. But now you're taking players like Judkins and even the five-star quarterback freshman Julian Sam that are more luxury items, more luxury pieces that – don't necessarily fill a, a dire need but are there because of the accumulation of that depth and that playmaking ability so i think that the question the answer to answer your question bluntly that caleb downs is one of the best players in college football and a surefire first round safety moving forward you plug that into an already excellent defense that returned the entire unit basically and you have a player that is going to be free to make plays and of course free up ohio state to make some moves with some of their younger players, maybe move them down in the defense and make them more productive. Um, but I am very, very excited about the future of the quarterback position with Julian Sand and Aaron Orland and you know, how that whole thing plays out. I think Ohio State's done a very good job of not only participating in the way the, the sport's going, but excelling in it. There's no question that they won the offseason.
3: He's the National College Football Reporter for The Athletic, our friend Ari Wasserman. So, yeah, you mentioned uh... – the julian saying and you know devin brown was the kid who put out the um, the the meme of burning the boats once kyle mccord transferred and he was going to be the guy and then he gets injured in the cotton bowl then they go out and get will howard um this quarterback room is loaded and you're right it's a luxury but how how much does it stay intact in your mind
7: i mean i'm assuming that somebody or two people are going to have to leave right i mean i don't know the two freshmen i assume are obviously going to be in for the year um But, you know, if Devin Brown were to leave, you know, it's pure speculation, but I would understand that if if the thought process was in his mind and to the fan base's mind that he was going to be the guy um, and then they go and get not only a a one-year rental and Will Howard, who is presumably going to start next year, uh, but they also bring in another person behind him that is very, very talented. And I, I saw him, you know, say and perform at the elite 11 and he was incredible um, it's just not the the best place to be. Now I don't blame Ryan Day for doing that because there's no way that Ohio State could have gone into the off off season reasonably without picking up a player. Uh but for them to go out and get a established starter who has won a conference championship and then on top of that bring in another five star freshman to come in and compete with Aaron Oland, I just don't know what the pathway for Devin Brown is right now to the field at Ohio State and At a certain point, you know, there's no shame in in going and moving on and trying to find a place where that fits. And I applaud Devin Brown for, you know, sticking with Ohio State at times in which he could have left and, you know, being a support system to to Kyle McCord a year ago when he didn't win the job. But, you know, he's gotten hurt in two major, you know, intersections of his competitive career and, you know, has just frankly not performed well enough in the little that we have seen of him for them to be able to feel comfortable going into the off season without bringing in reassurement, or reassurement that the, there was going to be somebody willing to play or, or able to play that position at the highest possible level. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's unfair sometimes to predict that somebody's going to leave. Um, but sometimes you just have to look at the, the tea leaves and read the, the moves more than what's being said. And right now the moves are that Ohio State has a, a plan, on a quarterback coming in this year to start. And certainly the future, uh, you know, with the two five-star freshmen seems to be spoken for as well. So um, there's no way they're going to go into the, the season, in my opinion, with six scholarship quarterbacks.
3: Yeah, good thought there. All right, I got 60 seconds, but I want to get your feeling on. Um, is anything going to happen to Michigan here that means anything? Um, and does the them winning the national title weigh into that at all, that they got to make them pay for something? Uh, do you anticipate anything this year?
7: I know there's an ongoing uh, investigation, and I assume that there will be a resolution to that as far as how hard they're going to get hammered or if they're going to get hammered at all. It's really hard to say. I mean, I know the president of the NCAA came out and said that they found no evidence of of, uh, games being won as a result of the scandal, which I think probably plays pretty well for Michigan. And frankly speaking here, Anthony the team won the national championship and the entire roster is leaving and their coaches leaving. So Mm -hmm. I know that, you know, maybe people in Columbus are wanting them to be you know punished or, you know, for them to take a step back or whatever, but they already got what they wanted. And, you know, I I think for Ohio state, even it probably makes sense to let them, to root for them to to be full power. So that when, and if they win again, um, you know, order feels restored in the rivalry. I, I don't, I don't necessarily think there's like some sort of, impending doom that's going to come to Michigan and ruin their program moving forward. And, you know, that's just kind of the way it is. So the hardest part, and I don't want to ramble here is that it's very, very hard, you know, to find any evidence, hard evidence that you can prove that Michigan won games as a result of this. Did they do it? Sure. Should they be punished for what they did? Absolutely. But, you know, they went out and they beat Alabama and Ohio state and Penn state after all this came to the surface. And it's like, those were the games that they were going to have a hard time winning to begin with, and they did it. So, you know, I know that might not be the most exciting answer for an Ohio State fan to hear, but at the same time, it's like what they did, they did it. I'm sure something will happen, but I wouldn't expect some sort of major hammer to come down and crush the program into an oblivion or anything like that.
3: All right, my man. Well done. I always appreciate you making time for us. Be well, and yeah, I, know anytime, we'll back I know we'll bring you back soon. Thanks, Ari. Ari Wasserman, national college football reporter at The Athletic. He was on the Brian Heating Coin Systems
4: Fangus hotline. All right, AR. It's time to give away four tickets to the Columbus Golf and Travel Show, 614 Is CB's phone number earlier in Party Like a Raw Star? I had a running back in my favorite segment of the week. Which running back was it? Hit up CB at 614 You get it right, and you'll get four tickets to the Columbus Golf and Travel Show, January 26th through the 28th. Tell the truth coming next.
1: Rothman and Ice and the fan. We test marketed naming the show a guy and his butlers. Oh, that is very
0: touching. But we
1: thought Bishop and Friends had a better ring to
0: it.
2: Weekday mornings at 9.
0: The fa- Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, You won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Tell the truth with Rothman and
1: Ice. All right, CB, we got a winner.
5: Yes, our winner today is Nick. He knew that the answer was Jameer Gibbs. job,
4: Nick. Shout out to you, Nick. Enjoy the show, man.
5: All right, so let's start off with that Brian Callahan, Brian Callahan story earlier from today where the Titans are targeting him for their head coaching position. i want to do a hypothetical with you on this, on the bigger impact. The Bengals losing their OC in Callahan to the Titans, or the possibility of the Browns losing their Callahan, the offensive line coach, to the Titans? His that? I am going to go
4: with the O-line coach. I think when you can remove Brian Callahan away from the equation and still have Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, I I feel all right. I I feel all right. Look, it's never anything to just scoff at because look at what happened with Philadelphia this year. Shane Steichen leaves and their offense didn't feel... As great as it did a year ago, and they struggled. So losing coordinators is a big deal, but I do think up there in Cleveland, because Bill Callahan has been such a good offensive line coach and that rushing attack has been so premier year in and year out that I'm gonna roll with his dad. What if I went with
3: a third choice, Tommy boy Callahan? Would that would that be all right? Is there a Tommy boy? Does this make does this suit make me look fat? No, your face does. Um I would say you know, Maddie explained it pretty well. My instant feeling was if I got to pick between this young up and coming O. C. to lose versus a nearly seventy year old O line coach, I think on paper I'd say, you know what? Yeah, okay. I I Peyton Manning mentioned years ago that this Callahan, the one that's going to the Titans, was he was gonna be a head coach someday. That was Manning before this guy was anything. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna side with that. But I understand son of dad. Um, is a big deal, and I I think that Bill is obviously a very well-respected guy. But I'll go with losing your OC is kind of the up-and-coming guy. Just remember,
1: it's not a lie if you believe it.
5: All right, if you look at the NBA standings, you'd see the two-seed Milwaukee Bucks up there at 30-13. and you think things are going pretty well. Well, they just fired their head coach, Adrian Griffin. So my question to you is, do you think that's a harsh move, or do you think that's understandable? I don't even know how to justify it, but do you think it's understandable?
3: I, I doubt. I doesn't. There's something up here. I mean, he's a first-year head coach, and they're in second place, right, you said? 30 wins? Yeah, they're second in the East. Um, yeah. Sometimes when you fire a guy, you have to ask yourself a question. Well, who do they want? Yeah. Like, why did they get rid of this guy? Huh? And you mentioned to me during the break, and it just hit me. Yeah. Who did ESPN just...
4: Wait, what did you just say about Doc? So there's reports now from the same people, like Shams and yeah. Woes. And Chris these people, Haynes also just put it out. Chris Haynes that Doc Rivers has emerged yeah. as a serious candidate to become Milwaukee's next head coach.
3: So I just have to connect the dots yeah. there. I, this is not a losing team. I haven't watched Milwaukee a lot this week or last week, but something has to be up here. It's either...
4: They're worried or they feel somebody else better is available. For sure. And the guy that's available is a championship yep. coach, to, to your point, that can hop on a train and coach two of the biggest stars in the league and Dame and, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. The season got off to a weird start for Coach Griffin, who is now the guy that's fired because there was a uh, situation where he got into it with Terry Stotts, who used to be Damian Lillard's head coach with the Portland Trail Blazers. So when he got into it with him, and a lot of people thought that was ego-driven, they're thinking, all right, what's really going on here? Is this guy really cut out for the job? And now here we are. So to your guys' point, when you have this type of success... There's got to be stuff going on, maybe behind the scenes, that Giannis and Dame and all the stars are saying. I nah, mean, we got to get this guy out of here, and yeah, get Doc Rivers off the broadcast and bring him up, bring him down to the side.
3: Yeah, I mean, to answer your original question, it seems harsh, yeah, very harsh. However, not knowing the situation. It- I'd, I'd like to believe that there has to be something going on here off the court. For sure. There has that's to be. That's it.
4: You know, it. Something
3: yeah. he got. I mean, I know he was involved in a few things a few years ago. I wonder if that's reared its ugly head. Um, but, you know, they, they backed him years ago. Uh, something has to be going wrong. This team is not floundering. And so the three boxes that I'm looking at are off the court, something in the personal life, Two, who's available. Mm-hmm. Three, something you said, something he got into with somebody that made it necessary.
1: And that, my boy, is a damn truth.
5: Uh, credit to Field Yates, who I believe we might have on later this week. Mm-hmm. But he just put out a note that at 43 games is tied for the third shortest uh, coaching tenure in NBA history. Wow. Wow. All right. Next up, the Daily Fan Bowl. It's sponsored by ER Auto Care, Masters of Our Craft. The question is, which team are you rooting, to win, rooting for to win the Super Bowl? I think we know ice's answer here but it's between the ravens lions chiefs and 49ers
3: yeah i think you know my answer as well uh they, <laughs> laughed, at, they laughed at me when i they said they were going to win the north they laughed at me again when i picked him they laughed at me and uh here they are they Ooh. laughed at uh at Louis armstrong when he went to the moon oh. now he's up there laughing at them movie
4: <laughs> Ooh, all right nothing i got up all right
3: it's a will ferrell movie
4: not anchor man
3: blades of glory. glory one of the underrated. i was of gonna, the keep underrated I'm just gonna keep rolling through the will
4: ferrell movies <laughs> um, eventually i would have got there but no uh, see the lions for sure yeah both yeah. our teams are in this <laughs> ar ar got rid of the viking stuff back in april and may around draft time he was all in on the lines and rightfully so look at where they are now but to your point i mean yeah. you, you know who i'm rocking with i'm with the flock man <laughs> just find
1: out right now today is true
4: a
5: real quick funny note i did remember that jimmy haslam is a part of the Bucks. Uh, ownership group so I'm sure there's nothing crazy going on there Uh, final question for you before we get out for today Uh, we saw the touchback rule come back into play in that Bills Chiefs game do you think that the NFL will change that rule within the next five years
4: I hope so I hope so it it bothers me that that's a what rule to touchback yeah I believe we don't see it often, so I don't want to get crazy about this. I mean, thank you. You know what I'm saying? I think it happens maybe twice, three times a year. So you know what? I guess the rule is fine because I don't want to overreact to one game in a big moment.
5: But do you think the NFL will change it?
4: That's the question. I think they will because the noise is so loud. So you're correct in asking. There are two answers to this.
3: One, yes, I think they will change it within the next five years. Two, I don't think they should. I mean, all we hear is the everything slanted towards the offense. Suddenly, the defense makes a play, and now we need to change it? And here's the other thing. Bottom line, hold on to the damn ball. You're near the end zone. <laughs> I Last I checked, that's an important place on a football field.
4: Trying to make a play, coach. It's gamble.
3: can't comprehend how this is even an issue for everyone. It goes out of bounds
4: in the end zone. It's a touchback. Don't be risky near the goal line. If you missed Tori Wasserman, if you missed Dave Lapham or Gary Grambling, wherever you get your podcast, type in Rothman and Ice, yeah, and your boys will be there waiting. Outstanding. All right, great to have you along the ride
3: here. We'll uh, be back again tomorrow. Common Man and T-Bone take over. Rothman and Ice and The Fan.
1: Wake up with The Fan. Eat lunch with The Fan. Go to bed with The Fan. Dream about The Fan. Then change your sheets. Gross. Ew, you guys are gross, but stick around in case I don't find anyone else. The Fan. Is a fan action update. It's been 386 days since Buckeye men's basketball has won a true road game. Chance to end that streak tonight against Nebraska. Ohio State's a three and a half point underdog plus 145 on the money line. Nebraska's four and four in the Big Ten. A win would get Ohio State to four and four. This action update is brought to you by Mary Haven. Mary Haven gambling intervention program where free help is available to gamblers and their loved ones. I'm Scotty
0: Vegas. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios.
2: Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com.
1: WPNSFM, HD1 Columbus. The
2: Fan center. And I'm Timmy
1: Hall. Big game for Buckeye men's hoops tonight. They try one more time to end their road losing streak. They'll have to do it as underdogs at a 14-5. Better than usual Nebraska team at 7 o'clock. I'll warm you up for it at 6. Also in the Big Ten, you've got number 13, Wisconsin at Minnesota at 7. Michigan is at second ranked Purdue. That one's at 9. 16th rank Dayton is on the road at LaSalle. Flyers looking for 13 wins in a row. Buckeye women ranked 12th now. Got a couple more days to prepare for Thursday's road game at Illinois. Meanwhile, the Blue Blue Jackets, they're back in action tonight as well at 9 o'clock. They face off at Edmonton, and they are streaking right now as well. Just moments ago, the Bucks announced the firing of first-year head coach Adrian Griffin. The Cavs are about to play two in a row in Milwaukee on Wednesday and Friday this week. This one is sponsored by Awaken 180 Weight Loss, turning love handles into laugh lines since 2014. Experience the Awaken 180 difference at Awaken180WeightLoss.com. Breaking sports news on the fan.